All right, good evening, everyone. Welcome to um, the March 2nd, uh, 2022 Select Board meeting. Our chair and vice chair are unavailable at the moment, so um, you'll have to suffer with me for a little bit um, chairing this. Um, if you don't mind, for those uh, with us here and at home, if you'd like to, uh, to please join us and rise in the Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge of Allegiance to the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, um, as is our standard, we're going to start with public comment, public comments, an opportunity for members of the Swampscott community to come forward and talk um, about items that are not otherwise on our agenda tonight. Uh, we ask that if you have any questions or comments about uh, anything to do with town personnel, that you please reach out to the select board or the town administrator outside of the public meeting and that you also refrain from making political statements during resident comment. Um, you can make resident comment one of two ways. If you're here in the audience, which doesn't look like you are, um, you can raise your hand. But if you are on Zoom, you can raise your virtual hand. Um, or you can email uh, me at pspelios, the word spell, I-O-S, as in Sam, at swampscottma.gov, and I will check my email throughout the night to uh, make sure that any comments uh, that are submitted um, are shared publicly. So again, you can raise your virtual hand um, or email me at pspelios at swampscottma.gov. Seeing none, uh, we're going to move. Um, actually, uh, Sean, I think I'm, normally we do the town administrator's report, but I'm going to skip town administrator's report if that's okay. And, and let's okay? get, I want to get right to. The, the real meat of the conversation tonight, which is um, a discussion with the town administrator and the financial team. Amy Sorrow and Patrick Luddy are here. Amy is our director of finance, and Patrick is our treasurer, um, who work really closely with the town administrator in putting together the town administrator's recommended fiscal year 23 budget. Uh, and so they are here live with us, uh, in addition to Ali Fisk, um, tonight to help us go through um, the proposed budget. Um, we have on Zoom tonight with us as panelists um, the Finance Committee. Appreciate you all being here, and Tim Dorsey is the chair. And Tim, I thought we'd start by you maybe making some introductions. I know you have some new members, um, so maybe we can yeah. start with that. Yeah, that's great, and thanks for uh, thanks for having us at this meeting today. We did call our meeting to order before, and I guess we will, if, if you'll allow, once we're done with the budget presentation, we'll close the meeting at that point in time. Um, but in terms of the three, we do have three new members uh, that have joined uh, FinCom in the last uh, month or so. Uh, first, I'll introduce uh, Suraj Krishnamurti. Um, Suraj, I don't know if you're, you can say a quick hello and a wave there. Uh, Suraj joined us about a month ago. Uh, and um, if you want to say a quick hello, feel free to. Second uh, is uh, Eric Schneider who is uh, here as well. Um, I think, uh, uh, Eric, if you want to say a quick hello? Hi. That was um, pretty quick. <laughs> Eric, I believe, Eric, I believe was a, it was a, is an active town meeting member and uh, uh, joined us in the last couple of weeks. And then the third new member of our team who isn't here tonight, but maybe you'll get a chance at some point to get to know her is Naomi Driven. And so she's, she's joining our team as well. Great. Uh, welcome. Uh, Eric, there is a word quota, so you've only used one. <laughs> so that's good. Um, 
and each member has a different word quarter, by the way. <laughs> um, all right, so we're going to, anything, Tim, that you want to talk about or discuss before we get right into Sean's presentation? Um, this is obviously just a really cursory overview for us to ask some initial questions uh, based on feedback. Uh, as I mentioned to you folks earlier, um, we have in front of us, as we sat down tonight, a copy of the budget book. It's been emailed to you just now, and so none of us have, have looked at it. And, and so we're all kind of hearing this uh, first blush, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of questions, and then we'll be going you know, into our individual meetings and going through the usual budget review process. Um, so with that, I think I'm giving it to Sean. Yes? Thank you, Peter. Um, well, welcome. I certainly want to um, just echo Peter's uh, comments that this really begins formally our FY23 budget process. The budget before you is um, the town administrator's recommendation, and it, it really kicks off uh, several months' worth of discussion about our priorities. Um, with that, I'm going to ask uh, Amy Saro and Patrick Letter to join me with the presentation. We're all going to step through. Uh, slides that we've put together um, in a format that we've used uh, over the last few years, but it will, really will just outline um, the expenditures. Um, so um, that will, if we can bring that up. Uh, so if we just go to the first slide, this is really a, a breakdown proportionally of where, um, you know, we spend the money. Um, the budget as presented um, is $78 million. 971,091. That includes town and general fund appropriations. Um, you know, general government reflects about 26% of, of the overall budget. Uh, community development is 1%. Public safety is 12%. Public services is 5%. Human services is 2%. Public education is 39%. And our enterprise funds are 17%. Uh, this shows uh, how the budget has grown over the last uh, six years. And we've seen uh, new enterprise funds, um, you know, be introduced. This year we have uh, a new enterprise fund with solid waste. Um, pre previous years we've included PEG or public uh, educational access as a new enterprise fund. And this helps us kind of keep track of, of how each um, function of government uh, grows or um, um, shrinks uh, year to year. So next slide. Uh, you know, this is an, an overview of the budget. We're going to go over the uh, appropriations and changes, uh, highlights of the 23 budget. Um, we'll talk about uh, capital uh, projects and some of the ongoing challenges that we're facing, and we'll answer questions at the end. Uh, so at this point, I'll turn it over to um, Amy for a review of our local aid. Hi. Um, so the governor's budget for fiscal 23 is out right now for our state and local aid, and it has increased about $122,000. However, our assessments have increased by $139,000, resulting in a net decrease of $16,000. The House Ways and Means budget will be released mid-April, which will further this estimate. Our local receipts have decreased $175,000 from fiscal 22 to now, an estimate of 4.396. This reflects the transition of the solid waste related fees out of the general fund and into the enterprise fund. We will continue to estimate receipts conservatively based on actual historic receipts collected, and we will update as we get new information from the state or anything else that changes. 
As always, our fiscal 23 budget follows the policy of 2% plus 425,000 of new growth. That gives the general fund guideline of $66,119,160 for this fiscal year. This budget does include $9,844,890 for the enterprise budgets, the PEG public access that you are watching this on right now, the new solid waste enterprise fund, and water and sewer. We're also anticipating the need to use stabilization at a future town meeting to take care of the part of the debt service for the new elementary school and this was discussed during the proposals um, over the summer. I apologize for the wordiness of the slide. So in October we released the guidance to all town departments giving them three different scenarios. One to level fund their budget, one with a 2% reduction because we weren't sure how things were going to look with the pandemic and kind of an optimistic budget, you know, a program budget. If we had additional funds, what would that look for? Like for those departments, um, the budgets were due back from department heads mid November and myself and the rest of the finance team did these department meetings through January to work through what the department heads needed. After that, the finance team, went through all the budgets balancing it before we presented to the town administrators to make his recommendation. The proposed budget includes an increase of 213,586 or an additional 7% to the administration finance line. The bulk of this is for known retirements and contractual end of employment costs. We on the town side cover the end of employment costs for town and school employees. We also have increased the salary reserve because all five of our collective bargaining agreements are not in effect as of July 1st, 2022. So we have some additional reserve in there as a contingency for those. Our community development budget has de decreased $15,000. This isn't a true decrease. A lot of this was at one of our special town meetings. We had to give an additional 30,000 to community development for contracted consulting. That was um, part of the Windsor Park. But the health department has reduced the number of nurses that they had due back to pre-pandemic levels. And we've increased the hours for the land use board coordinator and community development who's been assisting Marzi greatly. Mm -hmm. Our public services are down 4.4% or 156,000. This includes five positions which will be shared between town and school for the facilities department. It also includes some strategic adjustments in DPW related to landscaping and a reduction to the cemetery landscaping because we're going to begin using that perpetual care fund. Public safety has <clears throat> increased 2.62% or 361,000. The bulk of this came from overtime costs that we will be saving with the reduction of minimum manning and leaving civil service. We are also in the process of filling six new vacancies for the first time between both departments outside of civil service. 
Our human services are up 1.67% or 18,000. We're continuing to bring the senior center staff back up to pre-pandemic levels as they reopen. We've been working with the interim library director to support the development of their community programs and an ongoing investment in public health and mental health. The education budget is up 2.53% or 742,000. This reported increase in funding does not include funding from the non-resident tuition revolving fund that was established back in fiscal 21, um, which provides an additional 1.69% to their budget. I should just note that this is not the budget that has been approved by the school committee. And so um, this really reflects a uh, financial policy guideline that was established by the board. I've shared that with the superintendent and the chair of the school committee. Uh, we've had several discussions and certainly, you know, it's my hope that we can continue to work um, together as we finalize this budget and hopefully we'll see some improved um, revenue, uh, chapter 70 assistance or other um, you know, estimates for health care costs that would, would help be more favorable as we uh, head to March. Taking questions on that right now? Can I ask a quick question on that? Yes. Slide, maybe. Um, the 2.53%, I thought the guidance was 2.88%. Uh, is there, can you talk about that or is that, sure. do you want to yep. get into the weeds later? <clears throat> Yep, so the guidance is 2% plus 425, which is 2.66% for this year. There is a reduction in this due to sharing a portion of the increase in health insurance costs. So we're, we're seeing, we're projecting close to a 9% increase in healthcare costs um, <clears throat> as part of the GIC. 80% um, of the costs that are in the town budget for health care are related to school uh, employees that are carried in the town's health care line. Uh, we simply asked uh, the school department to pick up 20% of the increased costs. So uh, we're the, on the town side of the general fund, we're picking up 80% of that increased 9%. But, you know, at some point we have to share these Costs. Otherwise, we have to lean harder into town budgets that have already paid or already been cut uh, significantly over the last few years as we seek to just strike that balance. Mm -hmm. But this also doesn't, this doesn't include the increased end of contract costs that are sitting in the ANF budget, which led to a 7% increase in the ANF budget. So yeah. probably, we've said this in past years, at some point we've got to figure a, a way to talk about cumulative school spending. And I can't remember what the something 19. What's the form? Schedule 19. Schedule 19 is the one that they outline everything. But I think, for example, end of contracts can be very costly when you have 10 teachers retiring and they have accrued back time on paid time. And we're paying it out of the town side of it as though it's payroll, effectively, right? And it's really expensive. I just think it's helpful that we just got to some point get to the point, and we're, we're, we're getting there, right? But to be able to say, let's talk about the increases. We can talk about multiple increases. This is 2.53 assuming these things. It's 3 point something assuming these things. It's 4 point something assuming these things because the reality is I'm guessing it's closer to 4 than it is 2.53 if we were to really look at direct and indirect costs. Yeah, we've been discussing different scenarios for fiscal 24 on how we can back out those shared costs 
and then get to a point where then it's divided town and school so that everyone rises and sinks together. Um, Patrick and I have actually started talking about a model for that that we plan on proposing um, way, way early before we start anything for fiscal 24. Great. But that is already in the works and in discussion. Um, and that was actually a recommendation that Martha Seibert, the director of finance for the schools had because that was modeled in a previous town she was in. It is going to take so much of the noise of the negotiation and budget away mm -hmm. and just have us just talk about what are the needs and where can we allocate resources as opposed to saying, but we have indirect costs. No, but we have these costs. And it just will, I think, I'm glad you guys are doing it. Thank you. Yeah. I do want to just, uh, just recognize the superintendent of schools, um, Pamela Angelakis, and our uh, director of school finance. Uh, they did present a recommendation to the school committee to um, keep the school budget within the financial guidelines. And I, I do recognize it's the school committee's job to advocate uh, as, as they need to for the educational needs of our, our students. But we're just you know, in such a difficult position to balance all the other priorities, whether it's our environmental stewardship, public safety responsibilities, pedestrian safety responsibilities, that we, we do have to um, draw a line at some point and hope that we can figure it out. And so over the next few weeks and months, hopefully there'll be ongoing dialogue and we'll be able to just strike that balance. And just to save everyone a quick bit of math, um, this budget is about 103,000 less than the superintendent's recommended budget. Okay. Just because I already did the math, so everyone else. Wait, 103 that. less than the superintendent's or the school committee's? Than the superintendent's recommended budget. So the superintendent recommended a budget that was within the financial guidelines. Yep. Um, and this is 103,000 less than her budget. And is that because of the other offsets? That's because of okay. the share of the. It's so her budget just didn't take that in consideration. And yes. you guys have taken that in consideration. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. I'm going to turn it over to Patrick Luddy on revenue. Are there other questions oh. uh, while we're, since we've asked them from FinCom about the topics, the overviews here before we get to other revenues um, and things of that nature? All right. Seeing none. Okay, thanks, Amy. Um, so I'm gonna talk about some of the components of revenue that we incorporated into this budget. Um, we touched briefly on net local aid earlier. We're seeing a decrease in net local aid of about $16,000 this year. Um, some of the major components contributing to that are an increase in our um, charter school assessments and our school choice assessment. Um, as well as a, a, a low increase to our Chapter 70 aid. So those are all education-related items um, that are kind of driving this um, decrease. And um, in mid-April, we'll get an updated version of the budget proposal for the state from the House Ways and Means, um, and then we'll have a better insight into where we're actually going to land in terms of um, state aid for our FY23 budget. Um, Local receipts, a couple items that I just want to note. Um, there's an increase of about $83,000 in local receipts this year. There's an accounting change for um, revenue related to solid waste, um, particularly <coughs> bag sales and that, things of that nature. Um, those were accounted for as general fund revenue up until now, and now about $200,000 worth that we budgeted for this year. The, 
those monies are going to be accounted for in an enterprise fund. Um, so that's just a little bit of an accounting change that we need to be mindful of. Um, motor vehicle excise tax continues to be our largest bucket of local receipts, and um, we're level funding <coughs> that. The vehicle sales kind of drive that number, and MSRP, and um, we're not seeing um, commitments that are going to justify increasing that number this year. So I level funded that. Um, and build, building permit revenue continues to be um, promising, and we got a good estimate from our building inspector of about $600,000. $600,000 that's accounted for in the budget. Um, and we're also anticipating increased um, interest income on our deposits because we have a large bond issuance that will be on deposit, and we're anticipating a rise in rates um, over time, so that's accounted for in the local receipts this year. <clears throat> um, I'm going to switch gears over to capital. Um, that's another part of the process that we've been undertaking. Um, I'm meeting with CIC every Tuesday this month. We uh, started meeting February 22nd, and they're conducting their departmental reviews um, of the recommendations that we've made based on departmental requests. Um, and we're working on a 10-year horizon for capital um, rather than the required five in the charter to give us more insight into what's coming down the pipe and what we need to account for and um, how that's going to affect tax burden and those sorts of things. So we're conducting that process now. We're using a methodology that was implemented over the last two years that was developed by the Collins Center. And um, this has a lot of different uh, levers and things that are going to help us rate these projects and prioritize and develop an appropriate cadence for things um, when we're dealing with requests that go, you know, 10, 20, 30 years into the future, things we can see with our assets that are going to be changing and the costs that will be changing over time. So this has been a really helpful tool, and we're continuing to use that as we uh, conduct these reviews. Um, and I've also worked to update our debt management plan. Um, we have a really good uh, workbook for that that lets us look out um, not only for existing debt, but also for our future capital projects that we're projecting out what the debt service might look like for those and how it fits into operating budget ultimately when we do our forecasting. Um, so that's been a really helpful tool, and that'll be available for everybody as well. Um, and that's just a snippet of what that looks like. And I have... Uh, five-year projections just based on projects that are out there in the ether um, to consider um, for debt management. So these are debt service figures that are projected out right now for, you know, projects that are, might be eligible for a debt exclusion, um, standard projects, and our water and sewer projects as well. And um, some highlights for projects that are up for consideration in fiscal 23, we have about $4.9 million dollars of um, projects up for consideration that the CIC are deliberating on. Um, the largest single project on the list this year is $715,000 to continue work on our seawalls at Kings Beach and Eisman's Beach. Uh, Gino Crest has been working very hard to repair those walls to an acceptable level, and he's going to be conducting the next phase of that work in the near term. Um, we have about $675,000 worth of uh, renovations and improvements to our schools that Max Casper, our facilities director, is overseeing. Um, we're looking to replace a street sweeper that is 
um, 20, 25 years old, and um, we're looking to do street paving worth $550,000, uh, which is largely funded by Chapter 90 funds that we get from the state. And um, there's also $683,000 worth of water and sewer improvements that are in the plan this year for consideration. And I'm going to hand it back over to Sean to talk about uh, reserves and budget challenges. Sure. Can we just stop there for a second? Yeah. Do you, anyone want to ask questions on the revenue side for now? Including capital? Since we went I have one question. I have one question on the revenue. Um, on the revenue from the trash bags and the stickers, do you have that out of the budget and into the um, stabilization fund? Uh, have you forecasted, do you have an assumption of how much is going to come back from the stabilization into revenue? So, just so I understand, the, those funds were accounted for as revenue in the general fund up through this fiscal year. Next mm -hmm. fiscal year, we're budgeting revenue for those things in the same manner other than the fact that they're going to be in an enterprise fund. So, we're accounting for those just in a separate fund. You'll see in your uh, budget book that I emailed out on revenue for the solid waste enterprise fund, we did put a figure in there. Um, All right, thank you. And that'll flow to offset the cost of trash removal and things of that nature. Thank you. So staying on the question though, so did you apply any of the stabilization, are you recommending any of the stabilization fund being used this year to offset the general expenses for? Not for solid waste. No, for solid waste. No, there is a general fund subsidy of it, so Similar to how you see the school budget as a single line transfer, you'll see a single line transfer of $1.35 million from the general fund into subsidize the trash enterprise fund. So the trash expenses then are paid out of the enterprise fund? Yes. Now? So all the expenses and all the revenue directly related to solid waste will be encapsulated in that enterprise fund, yep. but to largely fund it because those revenues are not sufficient for the expenses. Right. So to say different, if to use your $1.5 million number, your, your, our expenditures, we haven't looked at the budget, so I don't know this, our expenditures are estimated at $1.5 million and you're using 1.3 of general and 200,000 of stabilization. Yes. So this year we're using the entirety of the stabilization amount for this. I know we've talked about Right, so we're using the entire amount that we have currently in stabilization to pay our enterprise in the enterprise. In, in enterprise, sorry, sorry, thank you. I'm saying still in the enterprise mm -hmm. to to pay this. We talked about establishing guidelines going forward to only use a certain portion of what's in the enterprise to offset disproportionate increases. Mm -hmm. In right, did you guys give any thought of that this year? Or do you just say this year we, we don't have that we need we need all of it we need all of it and <clears throat> i think we need experience and we have to kind of think about you know are we going to be able to generate uh, revenue um related to some of the solid waste um you know um expenses or initiatives that it would help us uh, offset those costs you know we have a an active solid waste committee we've talked about potentially uh, eliminating glass from the solid waste stream and, and, and finding a, a way to reduce the cost to the solid waste budget by eliminating the tonnage of glass because it's, it's not being recycled, it's going into landfills and maybe there is a way for us to generate revenue with, with thinking about that stream, but we're seeding this with the hopes that we can actually come up with a better idea because the reality is 
even though we negotiated a solid waste contract uh, this year and we've been able to mitigate the cost to the town this year, those costs are going to continue to go up in subsequent years. And so we're going to have to think about ways to address the financial pressure that solid waste and recycling are going to put on the town budget. And so are we, are we solid with or are we still evaluating what the price what the price may be of each overflow bag or you know mattress and, and, and you know those types of those types of things, Sean? I, mean, I hope that, because I I don't want to be changing uh, that level of predictability. I want the residents to get comfortable with um, that change. I think you know the type of initiatives that I think we're, we're looking at is are there regional opportunities for us to think um, strategically about commodities in the, in the recycling stream? Are there uh, other uh, opportunities for us to really get more um, material out of the solid waste stream like um, textiles or um, you know, mattresses or other things that really are putting significant tonnage into the weight of the solid waste stream? We also, um, we currently have a grant that is funding the mattress recycling program that's going to run until October of 2023. So we do not have any expenses in the 23 budget because they won't be realized until fiscal 24. And our health director has been overseeing that. Currently, the fee for the mattress recycling would not cover the cost of it. But since we have the grant, the town has no cost right now. So we are trying to establish that program, see what the interest is, get the kinks out before we actually have to reassess that. So do you, happen, do you happen to know what the, what, what do you pay now for the mattress disposal and what's the actual cost of disposal on average? So it is about $55 per mattress on a conservative end. Yep. And the mattress sticker is $20. And that's consistent and 25 is our overthrow, our big item sticker? Mm-hmm. 25 yeah. for bulky, yep. All right, thanks. Yep. If you leave it out in the rain, it costs a lot more. They actually won't take it if you leave it out in the rain. Understood. It now be, I, I, now I, have one, I have one question. Do the, do the schools do the schools contribute to um, to the trash fee at all? Is that factored in? No. The school doesn't contribute. It is factored into their schedule 19. But similar yeah. to like Peter said earlier, it's not an actual handover transaction. It is accounted for on the schedule 19, though. But I, I think your question is, do we pay it all out of the general fund and yes. on the town side? Yes. And the answer is yes. Yeah. And are, we, are, we, are we pushing for the schools to, to take the organic materials out, Look, of the, out of the solid waste stream? Are we doing... Sounds like a great meeting. Yes, we've had... Uh, our solid waste committee has had a, a few conversations um, with the school department, and, and certainly that, that would be a, a best practice. And so, you know, unfortunately, it, it still costs us money right now to implement some of those best practices so the organics are are it costs money to do the right thing and and right now with all the pressure on our budgets we're looking for for ways that you know uh don't cost us more money to you know start to in, you know generate revenue so we can actually subsidize those those types of best practices and those things are getting getting rid of the textiles getting rid of you know glass or other material that otherwise are costing us uh, funds in tonnage uh, out of the solid waste stream. And when you guys do get a chance to look at the budget, the solid waste enterprise does break it down by 
the solid waste and recycling line, the yard waste, composting, metal recycling, mattress recycling. Um, I tried to break it down as transparently as possible, including buying replacement parts for the carts, buying the actual bags that people have to buy. So it's all broken down in there to try to make it as transparent as possible. I've also set the revenue lines up to be as transparent as possible also. Thank you, Amy. Can I ask one capital-related question quickly? It's just on the sewer and water investments. Does that assume that that there's no federal funding, or does the, would that number change if the federal funding starts to come in, or is that independent of the federal funding? That's independent. That does not assume, um, but certainly there would be other projects that um, could be accelerated um, if funding was presented. Yep. It's a good question, Tim, and I think, you know, we can talk more about that with the Finance Committee and, you know, the Capital Improvement Committee in terms of, you know, uh, are there other priorities and, you know, is this, are there unique opportunities for us to think uh, critically about, you know, how to move some things around? Everyone is good on capital and revenue. I will turn it over to Sean. All right, so just getting back to um, our financial policies. Uh, this past year, the select board and the finance committee finalized our financial policies. And so we've used this to really um, set standards for our financial reserves. Um, we've recently gone out to market for the largest uh, capital project in the town's history. Mr. Luddy was able to coordinate his first successful bond sale. Uh, congratulations, Pat. Um, and um, it was recognized uh, by, by uh, S&P that, you know, Swampskit has um, really done a good job over the last five years building up our financial reserves. Uh, so when we look at the recommendations um, in our financial guidelines, we want to have 10% uh, of our general operating budget, uh, available in stabilization funds. This would be a figure of $6.9 million. Currently today, uh, our FY22 um, stabilization fund is at $7,185,000. Um, um, and for our capital stabilization, um, the recommendation is for about 4% of our operating budget, and that would be $2.7 million. Currently, um, we have... Uh, 1.7 million, and we continue to really be above uh, those guidelines. Uh, this keeps us really, I think, in a position of, of strength when it comes to not only how we present to the bond market, but in terms of um, risks that we might face um, financially. Uh, it gives us tools. Uh, Amy had mentioned earlier we escalated the debt service for the uh, new school and and it will be our recommendation that we use some of the stabilization funds uh, this year when we set our tax rate in the fall to offset the impact to, um, you know, Swampscott's um, taxpayers because we have these funds. We can, um, you know, act nimbly and, and really address um, fluctuations in the market. Um, and we can do that and still be consistent with, um, you know, our financial guidelines. Uh, next slide, we can kind of look at, you know, the, um, 
reserve fund balances, we can see the growth over the last five years. You know, we've uh, gone from little over uh, 18% uh, to 28.6%. Uh, our um, focus on building our financial reserves really has, um, you know, um, presented Swampscott in a, a really strong financial position, but um, it's been a, a key focus um, of the Finance Committee and also uh, the Select Board um, and town meeting over the last uh, five years. Uh, when we look at the challenges ahead, we continue to see um, increased operating costs uh, related to providing health care uh, benefits to our active employees and our retirees. Uh, these costs uh, are significant. It's my hope that they won't be as high as 9% this year. Uh, there are some indications that it may be lower, but we have to take a fiscally conservative position at this time because it's always harder to add more money um, when you're uh, presenting a budget. We're seeing increased labor costs um, and costs for certain goods. Uh, we've heard about the transportation supply issue uh, that is affecting global um, commodities. Uh, the town is seeing financial impacts from that as well, and we don't know exactly how that will translate, but we do know that it will impact uh, our budgets. Um, you know, we're seeing increased labor costs. Um, we're seeing increased um, you know, operating costs um, regarding uh, annual pension funds um, and pension uh, funding requirements. Our retirement board did increase um, uh, or decrease the discount uh, rate uh, that increased um, the cost to the retirement uh, line item in the FY23 budget. I've asked the retirement board to reconsider the schedule, and uh, it's my hope that, that they will do that. But this budget uh, includes over $100,000 worth of additional costs associated with the retirement board um, that places a lot of pressure on the town's general fund budget. Um, ultimately, um, you know, w with that, um, you know, we're likely going to be seeing an increased uh, tax burden with the new debt service and with um, collective bargaining contracts and other um, liabilities. Um, you know, the town uh, currently has uh, other post-employment benefit liabilities that um, are in excess of $119 million, um, and uh, we have to continue to employ strategies to pay that down. Uh, we're mindful of uh, these obligations. Uh, certainly, you know, they're things that we can manage, and we're in a much better position than many communities, but they're certainly um, challenges that place pressure on, on the town's uh, short-term and long-term uh, finances. Um, you know, we're also seeing rising costs in the municipal employment market. We're seeing, um, you know, a number of, of uh, challenges with uh, staffing, and certainly um, negotiations are underway with a number of collective bargaining contracts, but uh, it's going to be challenging. And uh, my guess is we're going to see uh, many cycles of contracts where we're going to have to really think critically about, you know, some of these costs. Um, rising utility costs are also a factor. Um, you know, we've looked at the uh, cost of gas and electricity, and, you know, we're going to have to continue to look at that closely over the next few weeks and months as we try to ensure that we are budgeting uh, 
sufficiently for uh, these costs. Uh, inflation is also uh, a significant concern as we look at every other line in this budget. Unlike other years, um, you know, uh, I'm pleased to report that this year we have a solid waste uh, contract that stabilizes our solid waste budget. Um, but we know that we have to uh, make changes uh, because we're going to see costs go up uh, in subsequent years. Um, we continue to see a, an erosion of our um, commercial tax base in Swampscott. Uh, this continues to cause a challenge, um, you know, and, and I, as I've mentioned uh, previously, we just simply cannot cut our way out of problems. We've really looked at every line uh, tightly. You know, for many, for a few years now, we've introduced zero-based budgets. We've asked department heads to go in and really uh, lean hard on every line of their budget. And at this point, I think we've got to really focus on on that growth. I'm pleased that the select board has has looked at having a land use board summit so that we can all have a conversation about land and and really the value of of land and and the potential for us to really think creatively about where commercial <clears throat> development can exist in Swampscott, but certainly, um, you know, it's going to take some hard conversations and we're going to have to really think carefully about, you know, budget priorities as we um, look forward. In terms of next steps, uh, I just want to remind everybody that this is um, the beginning of a process. I, I don't expect that the budget that you have before you will be the budget that gets approved at town meeting. This is uh, your budget. Uh, I'm charged with presenting recommendations, but ultimately this is the budget that gets recommended to uh, town meeting uh, by the finance committee and, and through the partnership with the select board and school committee. And it's my hope that we'll continue to uh, look at revenue and expenses over the next few weeks and months and uh, as we attend select board and finance committee meetings. Um, at this point, I'm happy to take any questions and um, respond to any inquiries that um, anybody may have. Sean, there was a mention of OPEB uh, liabilities of close to $120 million. How often is, uh, do the actuaries come in and, 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 and change that? Are they looking at that annually every yeah. other year? Yes. We have a consultant. Um, Amy, uh, you work closely with our actuaries. Um, do you Patrick recall? Patrick works with yep. the OPEB actuaries. Okay. Yeah, so um, that's updated annually. That's required as part of our financial reporting um, requirements. And um, we use Stone Consulting. We've been using them for several years, and they do update that annually. Mm -hmm. And that's a function of discount rate? That's a function of? Correct. Yep. Got it. So as rates rise, theoretically, our OPEB liability should fall? Yes. Thank you. Theoretically. <laughs> In theory, on paper, yeah. <laughs> Questions from FinCom? There's obviously going to be a lot of time to explore. Um, I guess I, I want to go back to something that you, you guys have heard me talk about before, which is I really think it's, I appreciate that first slide that says we have a $78 million budget and it's gone up by X percent, but that takes water and sewer in it, which has its own funding mechanism, it's its own vehicle, and it just, I know that in totality that reflects something, but it's also, it, um, 
it makes the year-over-year -year increases look disproportionately big. Um, and, and so we just, I just ask us to, again, think about how we show it because it, it's just, <clears throat> it's a different tool and it has its own problems, don't get me wrong. We, we, I mean, and I think that's actually part of why I think it needs to be out there by itself is because we've got some serious rate concerns in the future um, about the enterprise um, fund. So I, I guess I would just ask that to be continued to be, see if we can start isolating that and how we're talking about our budgets. Since um, we are going to be revamping the budget for fiscal 24, we will definitely do that. That would be great. Peter, I agree with you. I think sometimes it, it gets confusing when all these self-funded enterprise funds get, when it gets dropped into a, a general fund analysis, it, it's apples and oranges. And we should, we should really uh, separate those and, and look at the general fund expenses, um, you know, differently. I guess my other question had to do with human services, or sorry, public services. Can we actually, can you, you, you mentioned it's a 4.41% decrease. Yeah. And remind me what's driving that decrease. That was a mix of the reduction in cons contracted consulting for community development and, um, oh, wait. You're talking public services. I'm sorry. I'm talking public services. Public services. Let me flip. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Too many departments. So we're using perpetual. Public services. Yep. It was 156 drops, so that was um, reductions in DPW landscaping and sidewalk repairs, shifting about, I believe it was 15,000 out of cemetery landscaping to be covered by the perpetual care fund. Yep. And if you guys remember, the fiscal 22 budget for facilities included full time fully on the town maintenance positions for facilities. Since Max is a shared employee, he spoke with myself and the director of finance for the schools that having shared employees under him would also be helpful. So we have a total of five shared positions in facilities. One is the facilities director himself. Three are maintenance salaries. All four of those people are shared 60-40 and then there's an administrative assistant that just got posted today, um, and that's going to be a 50-50 share. So what's the reduction in the DPW landscaping and sidewalk in real dollars? Sorry. There's about 14,000. Out of a total of what? Out of a total of 610,000. Gotcha. Okay. Thanks. You're welcome. Question on the health care and how you arrived at the 9% assumption. That's what I heard for yes. health care increases. So the GIC has indicated that we will expect to see rate increases on the premiums of 3 to 7% which last year we had an average increase of 5.75%. So the projection model takes the enrollment as of January 1st 
we're projecting a 5.75 average increase for all of those premiums at the current enrollment levels and assuming that that's what it's going to be. So it's a 9.04% increase on the health insurance line, but it's only a 5.75% increase on the premiums, 2.5% average increase on premiums for retirees. Just say that last sentence, I couldn't quite hear the last part. So just don't. <laughs> At 5.35 on the 5.5. It's 5.75% for the active plans on average increase for the premiums and 2.5% increase to the retiree plans. And those are the actual averages in increases that we had last year for fiscal 22. So as we get those real numbers in, we'll be able to quickly correct that projection and I'm continuing to annualize the enrollment numbers as they come through each month to see if we have any giant swings one way or another in enrollment. We're not too far off from the enrollment last year. There's only a net of about 14 additional people on the plans. So that's not going to be a big driving factor on that. Amy, Amy, when do we um, expect to see the uh, kind of the annotated detailed budget where we put notes on the way you explain some of the bigger changes so we, we have fewer questions when we review? I will have that circulated by the end of the day tomorrow. I'm still finishing up the footnotes. Um, we did a quick pivot today to get that budget book out. So um, I will finish the footnotes and you'll have it by end of day tomorrow. Okay, great. <clears throat> one, one other question, I'm not sure who wants to answer this, but I think Sean, you were talking about this $100,000 difference in the school budget, I think you said, versus what the superintendent submitted versus what's in this book. That's what I said. Uh, you said, okay, can you just explain that one more time? I wasn't sure if there was a third version, like a school committee versus the yes, superintendent. Yes, so this, the superintendent's budget was presented at 2.66% increase. The school committee recommended a higher budget of about a 3.2% increase where they took the fiscal 22 budget amount, added the 180,000 that was cut out last year, and then applied the 2% plus 425 to that. So their budget, the school committee's budgets, it was approved at 32 million 095. Um, and that's a 3.2% increase. I think Eric's asking about specifically, correct me if I'm wrong, Eric, which is just explain again why we're $103,000 off of the superintendent's budget, right? Yeah. So, so that's a, so that we're the lowest number, just yeah. put it there. Superintendent's the middle number and the school committee's the highest number, but we're 103,000 less than the superintendent and what was the cause of that? Am I right, Eric? Yes, so because of the share of employees from the school who are on the health insurance plans. We conservatively came up with 20% of the increase in health insurance. So when you see the annotated budget tomorrow, it's about $515,000 in increase to the health insurance line. 20% of that was the share that decreased the school budget, which is the 103,000. And the remaining 412,000 is covered by the school town and cuts so, that we've made. 
Okay, so we had an increase and we we somehow made a decision that the school should pick up 20%. And that's kind of what's up for so that's what causes the difference or what's up for debate, so to speak. Yes. So, so, but that's that, that Eric, that's only for debate between the superintendent's number and the town administrator's number. Yes. The school committee is still um, you know, point something percent higher. So, so Eric, several weeks ago, I met with the superintendent, the chair of the school committee, uh, the director of fine, the school finance, uh, and um, Amy Saro, and we talked about the rising health care costs, and uh, we talked about the financial guidelines uh, that we were seeking to meet, and I asked uh, the superintendent uh, to work with us as we address, you know, this um, significant escalation in health care costs. I asked um, Amy Saro to meet with Martha uh, Seibert, the school business administrator. Uh, they've met several times over the last few weeks, and they've talked about, you know, what would make sense. And I've tried to be reasonable. We've tried to take a, a very fair position, 20%, even though the costs are closer to... Um, 80% for the school district. You know, the town's not looking simply to just, um, you know, shift the dollar for dollar cost. But, you know, th this is something that previously, you know, we would have absorbed 100%. And, and I just, we, we need to think differently about how, how these costs are shared. Sean, I have a question. On the actual health insurance, what, what percentage is uh, school on what percentage is school overall and what percentage is the town as far as the employees or part i don't want participants the participants of the plan out of the active enrollees the school is about 79 percent of the enrollees and the town is 21 percent and uh i have to ask why is the the number 20% so low, why why isn't that a little higher? Because the health insurance is a town expense, we didn't want to shift too much of the burden onto the school where it was already a reduction to the budget and we were able to find places that we could cut it, not that it didn't hurt, but we were able to find them and didn't want to shift an, un, not an unfair burden, but we didn't want to shift too much of a burden onto the school. So my, my simple answer is we, we believe in education too, uh, but we have to make some tough decisions. Um, and this seemed to be a fair um, way to address that fiduciary responsibility. And I do just want to share that um, because we set it as a percentage, as those actual numbers come in, if we do get more favorable rates, since the GIC did indicate three to seven percent, there is a chance the premiums come in lower, then that will be restored to the school at the same time as it's restored to us. When do the premiums come in? They come in um, usually early April in time for open enrollment. They'll also be released on mass.gov for anyone watching who's curious. Would it be higher, Amy, and would share the overage the same way? Is that what you're expecting? We're not expecting an overage. The 5.75% included a, one of our heavier plans um, coming in at a 12% premium increase last year. So not every plan will rise at the same amount. So I'm cautiously, conservatively hoping that we are going to 
be at or under, but health insurance is much like the trash budget where we hope and pray a lot. <laughs> So I think it would be helpful as we progress the conversation, just if we can carve out the, I think Eric and Mary Ellen are asking good questions, if we can just understand here, end of employment costs, things of that nature, if we really can kind of create our own Schedule 19 of sorts so that when we're really talking about this, it may not change at all the outcome of the discussion because at the end of the day, we're funding education, right? Mm -hmm. um, but it would just help us put real dollars on the table so that when we're talking increases, there's no winners and losers here like it's it's about we're going to do the right thing at the end of the day but you know to, there needs to be somewhat of a constant reminder that school has been and when we do this certainly will be increasing double what the town likely is increasing and that has been the theme for four or five years now and that is not sustainable on the town side never mind the school side that's a different question, right? How do we mm -hmm. deal with the school stuff? But on the town side, that's not sustainable. We can't, the town can't continue to starve um, on the town side because the needs are growing on the town side as well. So we just got to, just, it just highlights the issue for us that we have to solve. I, I think, you know, if I had to kind of just point to some silver linings, you know, we, you know, we talked about our stabilization funds and our financial position on the, on the town ledger side. We're in a pretty good position. You know, if we had to, you know, you know, look at a critical need. I, I would suggest too that the school department has has um, you know some significant financial resources uh, in ways and years that they've they've never had. The ESSER uh, two and three federal grants um, are are extremely helpful. Um, the you know special education stabilization funds that they have, uh, you know, they have um, financial tools at their disposal to address. Uh, some of their significant challenges and I by no means mean to suggest that you know they don't have some real fiscal challenges just like every one of our uh, you know uh, financial priorities in our budget but you know there we are in a position right now to kind of think critically about where we you know draw from uh, before we shift these costs to the <coughs> taxpayers and and we're trying to present a budget here that meets, uh, I, I think, some pretty tough but fair guidelines established by the Select Board and Finance Committee and, and frankly, the School Committee um, a few years ago when we sat down to, to think about how we balance the financial priorities for the town. Other questions, comments? Requests? Well, I, I guess in the you know, uh, I'm going to be put it out here on the table is typically in past years that I've been involved in finance committee, there hasn't been this level of a disconnect that we've seen. And in terms of the, um, you know, the school budget's always been a, something we've been heavily focused on. Uh, you know, this sort of three tiered. Uh, difference that Eric Hartman just flagged. And so when we talk about dialogue and, and getting to a resolution, you know, uh, happy for FinCom to be the, uh, the, the place for that, but uh, interested in perspectives on how we do it at um, for a two month period. 
So um, I think that's a great question, Tim. I think that um, from, from my perspective, I actually think this dialogue presents a healthy dynamic, right? Because it really does, um, for all the groups, we are able to see the choices we have to make, right? So we may all agree at the end of the day, the school committee number meets the needs of the district, but then it also requires us all to consciously make choices as to how that's funded. Are we going to do it on taxes? Are we going to make choices from other things? And, and just have that conversation. And that's why I think it's important to have that Schedule 19 type thing in front of us so that we really do understand um, the actual expenditures to have that conversation. Um, I don't know where the outcome would come. I do think the superintendent and the town administrator have to, um, I think, take the lead in trying to advance the dialogue and, and figure something out. I think Amy <clears throat> and Patrick and Martha Seibert have developed a really good working relationship um, and have gotten really creative with each other and, and recognizing that it is, in some ways, it is a zero-sum game when we're fighting you know, over dollars between budget and school. And so therefore, they have been able to find creative ways to, to do things and to adapt to change. Um, so so I, I think I would look, personally, I would look first to the financial teams to maybe spend a bit more time together and come back with some ideas or, or not. But then otherwise, I think it's gonna be just some tough choices to, to bridge a gap. Um, in that. Um, I do personally want to understand how um, federal funding and COVID funding and other funding has helped the school department do certain things and I just want to know what did that build into our system that now we have to sustain outside of those grants. So technology for example, I think I'm thrilled to death that it were a one-to-one -one district. It's long overdue. We need to be a one-to-one -one district so mm -hmm. that's one where the federal government helped us get to a one-to-one -one, but something that I've fully support the fact that we've got to find a way to sustain that because that is just a critical part of, of the 21st century education. But there may be other things that they got the benefit of, um, with, with, uh, just like at the town side, frankly, that I just think would be helpful to understand as well, which is are we trying to continue something that was subsidized initially by, by grants that are no longer available? And then the last part is the rub on assessments versus aid, right? The, um, the, the disparity on Cho a school choice assessment um, is, is significant, right? Our um, assessment went up 58.88% um, and our aid went up uh, a mere fraction um, of that. So, so I think that those type of things, we also, when we're looking at that schedule 19, you know, when we look at the revenue side of things as well, which is we're making up for revenue as well because um, of that disparity. And again, we are in the education business, so it's not us against them by any means. So we have to figure this out. But I think having all those facts and understanding where they are um, sets the playing field correctly. But um, sorry for the long-winded answer, but I, I would like Amy and, and Patrick and Martha and, and Sean and Pam to spend the time right now and not have it be that we're making choices because it does feel somewhat arbitrary when we're making choices. Uh, I'm not an educator, you're not an educator, um, and, and frankly, it, the, the better resolution is probably going to be found with them finding something and bringing it to us collectively. You know, I did share today in an email that, you know, uh, with the superintendent that if, if, if we do get premiums that do come in under that 9%, you know, we would work with the school district and, and try to share, um, you know, the um, benefit. Uh, similarly with um, educational aid, you know, if the legislature sees fit to, you know, um, present some additional funding, I think we can think more 
are carefully and mindfully about how we help the school district. You know, this year, you know, we're including, you know, one of the largest increases in the debt service, you know, in our in the town budget to build a new school. And certainly we all have worked hard to advance that. And so we are we do support education. We want to see excellence in education, but we, we've got to really look at all the numbers and we've got to really think critically about, you know, are we losing more students to um, you know, charter schools and regional schools? And when those dollars go to those schools, what happens in Swampscott over years, not, not just one year? You know, are there structural changes that need to happen? And, and are we asking the right questions about you know, how we balance all these priorities? Any further? All right. Um, thanks, Tim. Thanks to uh, everyone on the Finance Committee for joining us. Sorry we had a, start, a late start um, tonight. Allow me to get a motion to adjourn. I moved. Motions to adjourn at all. Second. Eric. Aye. Matt. Aye. Aye, I think. Uh, Cinder? Aye. And I'm an aye as well. Uh, Eric and Siraj had to drop off. So thank you. Thank you all. Um, I, I think for FinCom folks, I assume you're welcome to stay on, but uh, we're now not in a FinCom meeting at this point. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, and look forward to um, meeting with you all. And uh, welcome um, to Siraj and Eric and Naomi. I do want to thank uh, Amy and Patrick and Allie for all of the hard work of pulling this all together. Uh, this is uh, and Jody Watts um, this afternoon. Um, you know, this is Amy's first budget and Patrick's first budget officially uh, leading the, the charge. And certainly it wouldn't happen without a whole lot of, of hard work from our department heads as well. Um, when this budget was originally presented, um, you know, I made uh, close to a million dollars worth of reductions to it. Uh, we did ask department heads to give us their highest hopes. Um, and, and while it was insightful to kind of see uh, a vision for different departments, we, we know that we have to live within financial constraints. So, Great. How do you want to take it? Okay, we're going to move to our next agenda item on recommendation of the treasurer, approval of bond anticipation notes and general obligation bonds. Hmm? You can't hear me? Right. <clears throat> um, so I am here tonight to discuss uh, bonds that were sold on the 28th. Um, particularly large issuance related to the new school as well as a bond anticipation note that was sold related to um, standard capital and I have those results 
Um, so as we went through this process, we met with um, bond rating analysts from Standard & Poor's, which is part of the standard procedure when we um, go for an issuance, and they reaffirmed our bond rating at AA+, um, and they, in their ranking, they have kind of subcategories that feed into the rank, and they upgraded our management rating to very strong, um, and we were told that that was a really good indicator. There are not many communities in Massachusetts that have the very strong management um, kind of sub-rating, so that was encouraging to hear um, when we were going about this. So um, the total of the bonds that were sold, we bid out for 68795000 uh, 60 million of which pertains to the school construction project, and the remaining $8,795,000 um, pertains primarily to temporary financing for previously approved capital um, that was issued, and that ban's maturing on March 12th, so uh, we opted to uh, permanently finance those projects. Um, rates are rising, so it was kind of the key time as we discussed last time I was here with you. Um, and I got encouraging um, sentiment from the finance committee too to kind of accelerate this issuance. Um, so we got 11 uh, institutions that bid on our bonds. Um, the highest uh, total interest cost was at uh, 3.09 7912%, um, and the winning bid, the total interest cost, was at 2.847721% on these bonds. Um, I think given the rising rates in the market and where we are, you know, this is a fair rate, this is the best rate that we could do, um, and we went out as soon as we could in advance of the project because we're six months out from construction. Um, so I am pleased with these results. I'm pleased that we got ample interest in these bonds. Uh, people are interested in Swampscott, um, so that was encouraging. So I'm requesting approval from you on these bonds tonight, and I'm also requesting <coughs> approval on uh, $2,748,500 worth of bond anticipation notes. Uh, those That's temporary one-year financing for uh, more recently approved capital that hasn't already been financed, um, and that's going to cover um, costs of those projects as they get off the ground. Um, and the net interest cost on that uh, came in at 0.9974%, um, and we had three bidders on that band. Um, so I'm happy to take any questions on this at this point. There is <coughs> lengthy language that Bond Council sent over. Um, specific to the votes that we need for these, um, but I was told that we can do uh, one simple motion to approve all of the language, um, and Allie has that when um, it's in their we're ready, or you have it in your packet, which is even better. Without, it doesn't have to say all the amounts. <clears throat> nope, there's just one sentence. Yep. So Patrick, can you, could you please clarify the, the, the interest rates that are on this, uh, are on this vote? I mean, it looks like we're having 5% interest rates from 23 through 30, 4% from 31, 32, 33, 3%. The, the rate just kind of jumps. Yeah, around. so those are, those are coupon rates, so those are specific. So um, there, there's a series of bonds in this issuance for different projects with different maturity dates, um, and the coupon rate is associated with that. But um, what we really look at when we do a bond is issuance with multiple maturities like that 
Um, you look at your total interest costs, which takes into account premium yep. um, that is offered and kind of the average life of maturities of the projects to get, you know, a calculation that represents, you know, in total out of this issuance, what what's the total interest cost percentage-wise. Um, so that's why you're seeing different Got different it. values when you get into the kind of minutia of it. But. Yeah, and for the and for the ban, and yep. for the ban, same the same thing. It's yeah. a, it's a two percent coupon with with a right interest because rate. There's premium right. and there's projects with um, they have useful lives, so you can finance based on a, on useful life of the project. So you could have anywhere from like five years to thirty years um, in that mix. Thank you for clarifying. Yep. Can, can I ask that we update the analysis that we did? originally in projecting debt service for the new school and the determination of how much stabilization we would use to offset to see how much increased stabilization we would need to use based on these rates compared to other rates to, to keep to the same impact on the uh, median single family. Mm -hmm. So I was excited to get these results. I've already started doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we can uh, definitely reconvene and have a larger conversation about that as we uh, consider what we'll do and because um, we'll certainly do something and um, I think we'll recommend stabilization use uh, fall town meeting probably right so first first payments are not until this doesn't hit fiscal year September right September of this right year. fiscal 23 fiscal 23 yeah mm -hmm. all right thanks yep. so it can be done yes Patrick, when I asked you in January what the you thought what you thought the interest rate would be, what did you answer? So conservatively, two point nine. So we kind of landed on the happy end of that, which I'm pleased with. But I thought you were going to say two point eight four seven seven eight one. You know, <laughs> pretty close. I had that crystal ball, but he, he rounded for simplicity. <laughs> yeah, up. Up. Conservatively. Yep. You have to be conservative. Yeah, you never want to miss shoot the mark. Lower. No. Right. Um, I guess I'm confused procedurally. Do we have to read this whole thing? or? No, yeah, and it says it's incorporating so it. I'll include that what you have in your hand will be included in the meeting minutes as it states in the um, vote. And I think that covers your bases. All right. So you checked. I just. In reading the last paragraph, it was filed with the clerk. This whole thing was posted 48 hours, all of that. And it says that it's going to be included in full, but it doesn't. All of that language was checked, right? I just yes, yeah, that's specifically from bond council. All right, yeah. thank you. Is there a motion? I move that the written votes uh, presented to this meeting in con connection with the town sale of its bonds and note be adopted as written and incorporated into the minutes of this meeting in full. Is there a second? Second. Further conversation? All in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you, Patrick. Thanks, yep. Patrick. There's one um, housekeeping thing I just want to mention. The closing papers have to be signed um, in person by at least three members of the select board. They're going to be delivered at town hall around noon tomorrow. I'll send an email out when they're delivered, and I would just ask that three of you, if possible, come by tomorrow afternoon or first thing Friday to get those signed so I can send them back because they yep. need to be received by Monday. Yep. Thank you. You've all been invited to town hall at 2 p.m. on Thursday anyway. <laughs> You're just using us. Hmm? You're just using us. No better place to be. Feels right. No time of day. 
Okay, the next item on the agenda is discussion and potential vote on the April 26, 2022 election polling location. Sue, thank you for joining us to update us and um, provide your suggestions. Good evening. Thanks. Evening, Sue. So I did a quick um, PowerPoint, uh, just a couple of slides, and just go over the uh, polling locations. So there's three scheduled elections this year, April 26th, is the town September 6th is the state primary and then November 8th. So if you remember the last election, we set it as the temporary location at the high school for the um, October 19th special election. So um, before I leave, I'm working on trying to get as much done as possible for the April 26th election. And um, one of the things by law, we have to set the polling location at least 20 days before the election, but I don't want to wait that long because the polling locations are on the warrant. And also, um, due to the re-precincting, because we have a representative town meeting, we have to notify all the voters. So I'm working on getting those notices out, and I'd like to also include the polling locations so we don't have to do it twice. Um, so. I'm working on those notices, so um, next slide. So the past couple of years we had at one location, which was great, and we were able to do that because we did away with the checkout tables, which we can also do moving forward. Um, so the superintendent, Pam Angelakis, has said that we can use the high school again for voting for this year, and what they did was they made those three election days, they factored in as early release days. So I have a couple of other proposals for uh, polling locations. Um, I didn't know if the board just wanted to vote for the high school for the April 26th election, or if they wanted to vote for this year for one location, but um, I have some other suggestions that I was just gonna throw at the board just to uh, keep in mind if they just vote, you know, for the April 26th election to just be in the high school and then you know, revisit it at later dates for the other elections. So a couple of things I, you know, and if you do the checkout tables, it takes up more space, obviously. Um, we don't have to have the checkout tables. The state says that we should have the checkout, checkout tables uh, but they're not required. So, um, I mean, you can split up the precincts and the polling locations. Um, the first one is one location which worked great for the past couple of years. And then um, the other thing that I was thinking of too is if you put four precincts in the CAF and then two in the senior center, it's in the same, it's the same address. And then, um, you know, you could also do three precincts at the first church and then three at the cafeteria. But the thing with that is, is parking at the first church is limited. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, the first two is kind of repetitive, but um, there, the Unitarian Universalist Church was actually going to let us use 
the allocation for uh, precincts five and six. So if the board wants to go back to splitting it up to three separate polling locations like we did, you know, three years ago, you know, these are just a couple of ideas, you know, keep the senior center, one and two precincts, one and two at the senior center, and then three and four at the first church, and then maybe five and six at the Unitarian Universalist Church. Um, you know, the schools, the middle school, they want us out of that location. So, and that would be an easy switch because the church is just up the street from the middle school. Um, so, the other thing too is that um, there are some election reform bills at the legislature, but for now, there's no early mail-in or no in-person voting for the April 26th election. So it's just absentee voting, and you go to the polls on election day. So um, just asking the board if they wanted to, if they could, at least vote a polling location for the April 26th town election so we can get the warrant ready and the postcards out to notify the voters. Thank you, Sue. Next slide. The next slide is the motion. Oh. Well, yeah, and, we have to decide first, I guess. Yeah. And I'm gonna do a, um, I'm gonna do a robocall tomorrow. It'll be my last robocall, but um, just to remind everybody of the um, deadline dates on the date to submit nomination, obtain nomination papers, and submit nomination papers. So, which is coming up uh, this Friday, March fourth, is a deadline to obtain nomination papers, and then next Tuesday. The eighth is a deadline to return everything. And um, in part of the robocall, we'll direct um, the residents to the town website, which has the new precinct map and um, a list of all the new precinct streets. And um, with all your updated election information. Thank you. Thanks, Sue. Questions from any, for Sue from anyone? Sue, if we only do April, that means that we'll have to designate polling places for the primary and then send notices again to people, correct? Uh, we don't have to send notices, no. They, they, they dispense with that. But I figured since we have to notify everybody of the precinct changes, it would be a good idea to have the um, polling location on there as well. So my, my personal gut is to do all three elections. Just let's set the high school, um, unless you are so focused on, um, on the checkout tables. I think people really, you did a great job, and you set up a system that was extremely well received, and I think there was minimal confusion. And personally, I think us setting that as permanent locations for now just to set the expectation because that way people don't need to keep wondering election by election where the polling places are going to be and we put it in the high school we'll have to work with the high school obviously and they've been really amenable but I think that predictability and the setup that you had in there uh, was really great to your credit Sue. Thank you. I think it would be easier just for the sake of since the school is going to let us use the high school for this year anyway and they've set aside half days for those three elections, that that would work well. Yeah. Yeah. Other board members? I'm, I'm in support. Yep. Is there a motion? 
Motion to approve Swampscott High School, 200 Essex Street, as uh, the one location. As the one location for all six precincts uh, for the. Um, for all for all 22 I think, elections. I think for all, all elections, period. Yep. Right until we change it. Yep. Right. Without. Yeah. 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 For all elections, period. Second. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <clears throat> Second. Okay. All in favor? Aye. 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 Sue, Thank thanks you, very much. Thank you, Sue. Thanks, Thank Sue. Thank you. Um, Sue, so I think while we have you. Um, Sorry, Ali, I'm not, you asked me to do something. Yeah, so on the consent agenda tonight, there's also a um, recommendation for an appointment from the Democratic Town Committee of Mary DiCillo for the Registrar um, Board of Voters. Yeah. And Sue would be happy to um, speak really briefly to that and just give more information about that appointment if you'd like while she's here. <coughs> sure, thanks yep. Sue for that offer. Does anyone have questions for Sue? So uh, we have a vacancy for a board of registrar. So Sue Burgess um, did not renew her term, uh, which actually expired last year. So she was a board of registrar, I believe, since 2005. So the board of registrars has an equal party representation. So you have Democrats and you have Republicans. And the town clerk, by virtue of the position, is a board of registrar. So the Board of Registrars um, are basically my eyes and ears at the polls. They're trained to deal with different situations on election day. They are um, extremely helpful at the end of the day. We have tallying to do. Um, just get everything all wrapped up at the end of the night, make sure everything is all closed down. And um, Deb Friedlander, I'm sure you know, is the chairperson of the Democratic Town Committee who um, is recommending Mary DiCillo, and she is a very active member. Mary is a very active member of the Democratic Town Committee, um, who is well known in the town and has served the town for a long time and has been on many boards and committees. So I completely support uh, Deb Friedlander's uh, recommendation to appoint her as one of the Board of Registrars. I believe Mary is here tonight as well. Allie, do you see her in attendance? She is in attendance. Oh, yep, we can she just is. do that now then. Is that, do we have to, um, you, yep. I just, I, go ahead. Nope, I'm gonna move it off the consent agenda and put it on our regular agenda and ask that we just take that vote now. Okay, I'm just promoting Mary and and when so Mary's being promoted. And when you do make the vote, it's a three-year term expiring March 31st, 2025. Is that right, Sue? Yes. Okay. So that would be the vote. Okay. Is Mary on? Uh, let's see. Let's her video's off, so you can't see her, but she can hear us um, talk. Yeah, I... She is. It's just her video's okay. off, so you don't Hi, see her Mary. Voice. Thanks for joining us. You don't have to... Um, <laughs> there she nice is. To see you. Hi, Mary. So, um, Mary, uh, we are, um, since you're here and um, Sue has given your high recommendation, which um, from my 
less personal knowledge of you, but um, from what I do know of you, I absolutely am excited that you'll be um, that you're putting yourself out there to join as well. So, um, thanks so much. If you wanted to say anything or share any thoughts, um, happy to hear from you. But absolutely no pressure uh, to do that. You're, you're muted. Sorry. Sorry about that. This is a test of all registrars, by the way. All registrars have to be able to unmute themselves. Uh -oh. well, that's not a good sign. <laughs> by the way, Sue, for one of your last appearances, I'm, I'm disappointed we won't see you in your robes again. You could have worn a robe. I have, the, I have the robe right here. You want me to put it on? Yeah. <laughs> it's hanging right here. Right. <laughs> Just let me ask the clerk. Okay. Is she not there, Allie? <laughs> She's still here. She's just kind of, um, turned off her camera and her sound. So. Okay. It looks like she was. All right. Sorry, Mary, if we missed an opportunity to hear from you. Um, otherwise, thank you again for putting yourself out there. Um, is there a vote to approve Mary DeCillo um, to a three-year three term expiring on March 31st, 2025 to the Board of Registrar of Voters? So moved. Second. All in favor? Aye. Thank you. Thanks, Sue. Thanks, Thank you, Mary. Sue. Thanks, Sue. Thanks, Mary. Thanks, Thanks Sue. Sue. Thank you. All right. Um, we have our second reading of the Anchor Food Pantry Lease and Occupancy Agreement at 86 Burl Street. This one was got. And Laura is on. I'm happy to Great. answer any questions, so I'm going to go Great. ahead and promote her. Marzi, thanks for um, being here and for providing an the use and occupancy agreement. Um, oh, she's, on, she's, she's on scene. In a, look, at she's on scene. <laughs> wow. Like on location. This is amazing. Laura, so glad you can be with us. Marzi, I have a question about the use and occupancy agreement before Laura tells us about all of the amazing things she does and she and her group. Um, I know that David had asked about trash and recycling being put into the provision at the last meeting, and I, I don't know whether it's in that catch-all. Um, no, that was the only changes that are in the document that you received it includes it is related to uh, internal cleaning and snow removal. Yeah. Um, I had an opportunity to have a discussion with, with Laura and we were able to address the trash and recyclable issue outside of the contract. Okay. Um, so, you know, Laura can, can attest to that, that we're able to work through that. Uh, so, David, I do hope that um, you find it acceptable. All good. Great. Any other questions on the actual agreement? I guess that's a no. No. Um, all right. Is there a vote to approve the Anchor Food Pantry Lease and Occupancy Agreement as presented? So moved. Second? Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 And that right. authorizes the town administrator to sign it, right? Because it's signed by the owner, which is Sean. Well, I, I think that technically, to be honest with you, the town administrator had the authority to do this anyway, so I don't know if we needed the vote to. Do we? Does the vote need to specify you being authorized? Yes, it does. Okay, uh, in that case. <laughs> I make the motion then. Um, what was the, uh, to uh, uh, vote to approve the lease um, 
and authorize the town administrator to execute it. Second. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Okay, aye. aye. I think you should execute it in the presence of the clerk with a robes on. <laughs> I think as a matter of policy, you know, multi-year agreements on leasing town property should go before the select board. That may not have always been the case, but it's a best practice. Laura, um, now that you have your lease agreement approved, um, I'm joking about that part. We'd love to hear from you anyway. But we're excited to hear from you and um, hear an update on whatever you want to share. I'm glad you could make it. Thank you. I appreciate it. I know you guys have had a long evening. I'm actually here at the pantry. We just closed up, and um, I had you on in the background. So I know you've had some heavy <laughs> conversations this evening. So I won't keep you. Obviously, I, I sent you all an email just with some of our updates and uh, with our gratitude, obviously. The, Space has been um, really amazing for what we're what we're doing here for the community. So we really appreciate you know having the opportunity to be here and that you're trusting us and you know um, to stay another year and to serve the community. Um, so I, I just want to, like I said, an email. Mar since Marzi's here too, Marzi's been amazing to work with. Um, she's really helped us a lot securing particularly securing funds, and um, we really, really appreciate that. Um, and obviously, I acknowledge Max Casper, who um, is our facilities manager. He, this place has been um, wonderful. The upgrades the town meeting voted on last year have pretty much all been completed, um, and he's just so responsive. Um, but as for serving the community, um, just so folks know, we, we do have, we serve a, a little over 50 families a month here. Um, we get new families and new households almost weekly. Um, you know, we've had some families that have been able to get on their feet and we haven't seen in quite a while. Um, and, you know, we have all types of families in, that are here in our community um, and our neighbors that are just you know, just need a little extra boost, and they come here for that, um, come here for some emotional support as well. We, as I always say, it's a family coming here. So again, we just appreciate all the town's support in that, you know, in this area. Is there anything else you guys, I, you are such an amazing group of individuals doing amazing things. So if there's anything else you want to share that, you don't have to, but. I know that we all appreciate your um, gratitude to the town, but if you want to, you know, talk more about <laughs> any of your successes, challenges, um, things that are exciting for you guys that you've seen, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, but I just, but I don't want to, without giving out too much information about our, our visitors, I think it's just so, that's, is a challenge, you know, Sometimes I feel like we can't do enough for some of our visitors, so I think that's the challenge, you know. Um, again, that given that emotional support and in, in learning their stories and what's um, going on, you know, when I think it's important to know, um, you know, even everything that's going on in the world in Ukraine, to remember we have a lot of um, residents here 
the uh, family in the Ukraine, and it's very difficult. So right now, that's where we are. Right now, helping our, those particular families um, and trying to figure out what what they need. Mm -hmm. uh, they're going through a lot. That having families, their family members, close family members there. So that's something um, I would just like the community to be thinking about. Um, but as for successes, I would say just working with everyone. Is it, we're really close with the school department, with um, the veterans agent and the veteran, the, the VFW post um, staff and um, the senior center, and just working together as a whole um, within the community to to support our, our, our again our neighbors. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. You guys are the best. Um, thanks so much. We are. Um, again, I'm so glad you got to join. Understand how important that their town meeting vote was to upgrade here. Um, the electricity is just about completed, if not completed. So we're ready to install our refrigeration and our freezer units, so we can offer um, more. Food oh, that's really, really good. Frozen. That's great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you've heard this many times before but you know kudos to you for recognizing a need taking this initiative to get this rolling you know and you guys are clearly a terrific success and and you know sadly a much needed resource but you do great things um i do have one question when you look behind you it looks like tony the tiger on the frosted flakes box is horrified or petrified <laughs> is that a new brand or is it well, is, um, is that for us recently and asked you know specifically items that we needed um, so name brand cereals is one thing that's difficult we're we're affiliated with greater boston food bank so we get about three thousand pounds of food a month from greater boston wow. uh, which is, an ama is amazing uh, but we don't always get um the good stuff the brand name stuff so um hadley did a huge drive and gave got us cereals and pasta sauce and um, hygiene products, um, and so that is this is kind of our overflow inventory behind me, waiting to hit the shelves. Terrific. And forgive me, Laura, for not knowing this, but um, I know just with pantries generally, there's items like you said that you have lots of, but you you know others that I know like personal products and toiletries are more. Do you have you have a Facebook page and do you like post those things of what's needed so that people know they can. Maybe just drop stuff yeah, by. Yeah, we usually, when we really need something, we'll throw out a Facebook page. Um, otherwise, um, on our website, we keep a list of items we're looking for. We have an Amazon wish list you can find on the website. Um, and I update that all the time based on. Okay. Um, and for those of us who may or may not be a bit scattered in their regular lives are there um items that are regular needs that are just like if people feel like picking something up and bringing it by they can just it's like a guarantee that you don't need that it's not something you don't need yeah um i would say thanks for that question gosh let me go on the other one but if i personal hygiene products are always um number one they're mm -hmm. they're you know they're a little more on the expensive side um, and we can't get them from Greater Boston, so we do right. uh, ship them. They, they get shipped to my house, so my husband's 
He <laughs> loves it. Like, Nottingham is on packing. So, you know, um, period products, female products, um, shampoos, um, body washes, mm -hmm. and then, you know, for food is always like shelf-stable milk, almond milk. Um, those are things we have trouble um, securing, mm -hmm. but that are really important for yeah. folks to be able to make meals. Um, you know, I would say, and then as a treat, always snacks and coffee are mm -hmm. another item that are hard for us to get mm -hmm. um, from Greater Boston, but I always think everyone deserves to have a good cup of coffee and a bag of chips. Absolutely, so. <laughs> Absolutely. yeah. Um, that's awesome. Thanks so much. Uh, any other comments, yeah, questions? You guys. Everything. All right. Thanks so much, Laura. Thanks for Thank joining. You. Thank you, Marcy. Thanks for your help. See Thank you soon, you. okay? Thank you. Yeah, we'll talk soon. Bye. -bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Okay. Um, the next item is a potential vote on the formation of the tree committee. So I can speak to that one. Um, the tree committee came before you, or the tree, um, the task force came before you at the last meeting. It was Jim Olivetti and Verena Parnell to talk to you about what the task force has been up to and ask that the board vote to formalize uh, their committee as an actual town board. And you had all expressed interest at that time, or those in presence expressed interest in that moving forward. And so they were asked to come back with actual um, terms written out and more information about their membership. So I sat down with them and determined that they would like to put together a committee of nine members, one of which would be ex officio Gino or whoever the tree warden would be at any given time and uh, eight residents, one ex officio for three year terms. So they haven't selected anyone to be on the committee as of yet. Of course, the board would need to form the committee first and then there would be a recruitment effort, which Jim and Verena and someone at town hall would head up um, in our usual way. So that is where it stands. They also have a mission statement. I'm just gonna pull up a slide really quickly so I can just show you the mission statement and confirm the terms that I had laid out here. Can I ask about those? Um so by voting on the formation, it'd be the mission, the number of members and the terms, right? That we'd be voting on. That would be my understanding. Okay. Um, I, I believe that Verena, and I said called her Parnell, but that's not her name, that's someone else I know. Verena, is, I believe she is available um, if there are any other questions. I think she might be in the meeting. I didn't mean to interrupt you with the mission statement. I can ask in a second. Nope. Did you need me to read the statement? No, no. Or the mission no. statement? Does anyone have questions? So, Ali, you'd, we'd post it, and then staff would ultimately recommend that to us, and we would be appointing nine people in staggered terms. Exactly. Okay. Yep. My question is, um, nine seems like a lot. Yep. Um, if this, if, I feel like, well, the quorum issue, mm -hmm. but also, um, Seems like everyone would be, and I don't say this sarcastically, although it sounds like it, but would be on the same page with like the mission. So, in just in terms of like, sometimes bigger committees have like more robust, like, you know, I just I'm wondering, I guess if if there's already nine members that would want to be on it, and also I know right now there's a passionate group, and 
I hope it continues, but I just don't know what. Right. I know with a lot of committees that are really important, including the Disability Commission, for example, I know it's a slightly different, but there's like a chronic need yeah. to fill those, and I just don't want to see, I guess I don't know if there's core, maybe there's not core issues, but if it's not going to be, if you appoint a lot initially and then people don't show up or whatever, I yep. just don't know, maybe seven would be. We okay. did talk about that. Um, I mean, set, one of them is an ex officio, so that would mean six residents and one ex officio. Verena, I don't know, Verena, if you can raise your hand if you are on the, if you're an attendee right now. I think she might be logged in as something else. Um, so, oh, everybody's stopping sharing right now. Oh, right there. So we did talk about the number of um, members. And they had originally actually proposed a larger number and then kind of worked their way down. So they feel pretty confident that they are going to be able to fill those positions um, based on that recommendation of nine members. I think also part of it was that they have a pretty solid crew of people who are already participating. So factoring in those individuals as well as kind of the skills they're looking for mm -hmm. to round it out, that's how they came up to the nine. Yeah, if they have them now, it would be unfortunate to cut people out. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Right. I move to establish the tree committee uh, under the terms outlined in our packet. Is there a second? Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Okay, uh, vote to appoint an interim town clerk. I assume this is you, Sean. It is. Uh, with uh, <clears throat> Sue Duplin's um, resignation, uh, we need to have a statutory um, appointed town clerk and uh, our director of finance and administration uh, would be a, a Wonderful interim. Uh, it's my hope that it will be uh, uh, just a, a brief interim period. But you know, I really do appreciate Amy's uh, ability and willingness to uh, step in as needed. Uh, I know this is a, a busy time and a complicated time, but um, I do trust that Amy can help us meet the statutory responsibilities that we have. And it's my hope that over the next. Uh, week or two, we will have uh, perhaps another interim that would be available to help us um, manage the complexities of a, a very busy town clerk office. So, um, by interim, Amy being the interim, what what are what are her expectations? I mean, what is the bare minimum that a town clerk office needs to have to? keep town hall functioning? We have to have a, a town clerk that can <clears throat> certify uh, uh, certain uh, official documents, whether it's birth certificates, death certificates, nomination papers, uh, work with town council on any number of, you know, official um, town uh, postings and um, record keeping a town clerk has uh, certain statutory you know responsibilities we do have a an assistant to the town clerk uh, working in the office that could 
uh, help support many of those responsibilities, but somebody has to be appointed officially to, to meet the statutory needs of the town. So with Amy being, this is budget season, um, and election season. election season, and town meeting season, um, and you are one person, and I'm concerned, that's all. I don't know. I mean, we have to appoint somebody, I think, right? Because Sue is leaving? We do, uh, and this helps us ensure that we're, at least we'll have uh, somebody that can statutorily support the needs while we actively uh, seek to find an interim. I have been in touch with several retired clerks over the last week. Uh, they are, are busy uh, serving in interim positions. Um, I have reached out to uh, a number of other, um, you know, uh, municipalities that may be able to allow us to share a town clerk um, and we've posted the position and we've got uh, a candidate already that's a certified um, town clerk that we're interviewing but right now we just need somebody that has that certificate has that appointment and can meet that statutory responsibility is 30 days until there's another interim or a permanent a reasonable expectation? It is. I would, put, I would put that limit on, yeah. So That's if we can just, if you can make note that if we get 30 days from now, if we can revisit this just to make sure that we're not putting too much on any one person. I appreciate that um, limit. <laughs> yeah. As long as at one point you wear the black robe and you marry somebody or something. Yeah, listen. Right. That'd be good. I, I don't have a robe. I have like a bathrobe at home, and I don't think that's very <laughs> official. <laughs> All right. With that, I think you know, I'm personally comfortable as long as we don't have a prolonged period yep. we have another Honestly. I think Polly's points are Polly makes some good, very good points. I agree. Please. Is there a motion? I would move to appoint, approve the town uh, minister's recommendation to appoint uh, Amy Sorrow as the interim town clerk for a period of 30 days. From today, or from when? From today. Is, does that mean that in 30 days it's expiring, or? Yes, well, how about this, until our, what's our first meeting in April? Your first meeting in April is April. Oh, Don, if you know that. Six. Six, until uh, expiring on April 7th. That gives us the six to, yep. the night of the sixth, we can decide to continue it or not. Second. Any further discussion? All in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you, Amy. A robe stipend? A robe stipend. Okay, the next item. Yeah, on but the then I'd have to work into the budget. Update. Um, <laughs> I just. I'll pay today. Sorry. We've asked Sean to give a town personnel, I've asked Sean to give a town personnel update. Um, I think it's, um, there's been a higher than normal turnover rate of employees at Town Hall, and um, so we have no doubt that there's numerous factors, but we just felt like it was um, prudent to have you give us an update on um, 
current staffing levels, what, what we need to do in the immediate future, um, what needs need to be addressed, how we're going to meet those needs. Um, and I'll just say from my perspective, um, the board, you know, has essentially in this regard two responsibilities. One is just to make sure that you can continue operating town hall. Um, and the second is that we understand um, not getting in the weeds of any of your decisions or um, personnel decisions and hiring decisions, but also just making sure that we understand why. If we notice something, just it just as a plain fact, um, something might be happening in terms of experiencing turnover. Um, so I think making sure we can keep running town hall and that you have the supports that you need and what we need to do to mobilize to get ourselves you know where we need to be if we're not already and then just making sure that we do our responsible jobs um, which is to make sure that there's nothing behind this in terms of competitive salary rates or long working hours too many night meetings too many whatever whatever it is um, I think we have a responsibility to just be informed um, so that's my position, um, and I hope tonight you can speak to the first issue, which is um, just current staffing levels, um, what you need help with, and what you plan to do to sort of fill those, and I know it's a lot. It's a busy time of year. So we appreciate you taking the time to do this. Sure. Um, <clears throat> look, uh, you know, it's... Um, not a mystery to, I think, anybody that we're seeing a significant amount of, of turnover. And, you know, it has been a, a very difficult uh, challenge um, for, you know, um, most municipalities um, to deal with what has been referred to as the great resignation. Um, that said, you know, we've had an unusual level of turnover um, at Town Hall. Right now, we're, we've posted for an assistant engineer, um, and I'm pleased to report that, you know, we sent out a conditional offer uh, for that position, but that position was vacant for about six months. Uh, we've posted for an HR director, um, and that position has been vacant since August. Um, we've posted for a building commissioner, and that position has been vacant for about a week. And, uh, you know, we're going to be looking for uh, a new town clerk and a new uh, administrative assistant, and um, we've just filled a part-time assessing clerk position. Um, you know, this is a, a busy. Um, I'm sorry. Know. Did you include HR? I was. I was trying to get up the. Yeah, okay. we've um, posted the HR uh, position. It's, um, so this is a, a, a busy um, schedule of of staffing um, changes, and you know, certainly it's not ideal, but. Um, we do have a very dedicated and talented staff at Town Hall. We've had to deal with transition um, a few times over the last few years, and I'm confident that um, we will fill these vacancies and prudently keep um, the town on track with continuity. Um, it does place additional um, challenges and burdens on um, staff, and we have to be mindful that you know, we, we are at meetings two, three, four nights a week, and they do last long. These Zoom meetings can be um, challenging as well. And, and I've tried to think critically about, 
mental health and training. We've had specialized training, and, and every one of the um, programs tell us that we have to, you know, keep these meetings shorter, and we have to really recognize that we all get fatigued uh, during these meetings, and no one, after two hours on a Zoom call, is is really at their best. Um, that said, I'm hopeful that we can we can think more critically about how we. Um, you know, schedule these meetings and how uh, we think about uh, how we staff them. I, I really would like committees and boards in Swampska to to really think about keeping their meetings to 90 minutes. Um, and if they have to run two hours, fine. But it, you know, you know, be okay with um, you know recessing meetings and and trying to, trying to find time to um, find that balance. Uh, in terms of um, you know. The hiring plan for the immediate future, you know, we've prioritized um, a number of, of uh, positions, but certainly that HR director and the um, administrative and executive assistant position are, are critical. We're currently, you know, moving forward with a uh, hiring of a police chief, um, non-civil service police officers, non-civil service firefighters, um, and so, you know, this compounds an already busy um, slate of, of open positions, but uh, we're looking for a new library director as well and um, a DEI director uh, as well. Uh, again, when we look at uh, the next few weeks, two months, uh, it's my expectation that we will fill all these positions. Uh, I certainly um, need to really think about you know, what's happening in the workplace and what's happening in um, organizations. We hear a lot about um, organizations trying to be more flexible and adaptable. Um, we have a lot of, um, you know, challenges that are just based uh, on the pandemic. Work-life balance has been really difficult for a lot of individuals, especially individuals that have young uh, families and, and thinking about how our workplace um, really uh, flexes to the challenges of, um, you know, the needs of various employees is going to be important. Um, I do know that, you know, the schedule oftentimes can be very frustrating. You know, it, it is difficult to work night meetings and um, have busy, demanding day jobs that are um, at seemingly never-ending. And so finding that work-life balance is, is really uh, difficult. Um, I do have some ideas, though, and I really would like to, to discuss with the board uh, ways that we can perhaps think differently about the schedule of town hall, think differently about um, making changes that would make um, town hall more attractive in terms of uh, that work-life balance. A number of municipalities have have made changes to schedules that, that would be more conducive to um, recognizing the, the burden of, of night meetings, and it's my hope that uh, we can talk about making um, some changes that would be more attractive as we seek to attract and um, bring individuals in to, to um, you know, take positions that are going to be um, on the best of, of days demanding. Um, public service has gotten more and more demanding. It's It's clear um, over the last two years that uh, folks are more and more critical of, of folks in government. Um, I know that 
as elected officials, you understand that better than most. Um, but it it happens on every level of of public service. And you know, I I do believe that we have had some really extraordinary individuals um, that have done um, you know significant work. But it's been difficult to to really support the type of um, teamwork and and interaction over the last two years when everybody has been isolated. Everybody has been uh, forced to to be um, you know isolated uh, through the pandemic and so it's my hope as we emerge from the pandemic we can really think about ways that we can inspire the type of uh, teamwork and type of engagement that really help um, you know bring um, various um, groups uh, together I think you know it it um, it is difficult to uh, deal with, you know, uh, Zoom and and deal with, um, you know, a very impersonal uh, type of, you know, uh, connection at in, in local government because it's, um, you know, a people business and it's been uh, a challenge to really, uh, you know, just encourage and promote, you know, the type of engagement that m most folks like. Um, so um, I want to talk a little bit about workload because that's been, a, a, I think, a chronic concern given the, the size of staff we have. Uh, we're a small town, but we're doing some extraordinary things. We've got more and more projects today. Um, if I look back just a few years ago, you know, and just looked at the capital list or the um, list of, of changes that we're seeking to advance, you know, we've, we've um, certainly taken on uh, quite a bit of a challenge. There aren't many communities that are, are ending civil service or evolving, uh, you know, a new um, non-civil service hiring system. We've had a couple of uh, key retirements in department heads that happen, that, you know, haven't happened for 20 years, and that brings a tremendous amount of change, and it brings a tremendous amount of of anxiety and concerns about you know the future and and all of those um, really manifest at town hall as well it's not like you know it it doesn't impact uh, the entire work culture and so you know it's important for us to really think um, you know critically about that uh, I will say that I'm incredibly pleased with the new hires that we have and the contributions that that a number of our uh, new staff have made. I think we're very fortunate to have, you know, some of the hardest working, most dedicated, you know, um, you know, public servants that I've worked with. Um, we have some amazing department heads. We really do have some uh, esprit de corps among a number of these uh, individuals. Um, but it's important that we really think about you know the roles of the boards and committees as the select board i think we share the responsibility to to work with our boards and committees to make sure that they're not placing undue burdens on uh our our staff we have a number of committees that want to be very busy and they they have certainly um you know contributed much to swampscape but we have to really you know think about how that um impacts uh staff and 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 their priorities um, at the end of the day, though, I do take responsibility for it all, both, um, you know, what has worked well, but also what is um, continuing to be a challenge. 
Um, I do think it's important for folks to recognize that, you know, I, I have been a change agent. I've been, frankly, hired to be somebody that has come in to Swampscott and, and really I've looked at things differently. I've, I've you know, spent quite a bit of time reworking this budget, kind of rethinking priorities, trying to uh, strike a balance between, you know, our ability to afford um, things and, and really the priorities uh, in terms of, you know, how we uh, meet, you know, all sorts of balancing priorities. Um, with that said, um, you know, there's no city or town, there's no organization that's not facing, you know, a certain degree of complexity when it comes to staffing right now. It is a, a huge issue. And, and I, I really, um, you know, have to think differently about, you know, the, the type of uh, relationship that we have with a um, number of employees. I'm, I'm certainly, you know, mindful that I have to um, think critically about making sure that we, you know, listen to employees and, and really think about challenges that, that each, um, you know, employee faces. Uh, I want to see individuals be successful. I want to see people commit their, you know, professional career to public service. Um, it's hard, but it's also very meaningful work and purposeful work. We've been recognized um, you know, um, for a lot of the great work that we've done, but certainly um, it has been at, at a, a cost. Um, that said, you know, I, I do think, um, you know, these are tough times, and I think, you know, we've got to, you know, recognize that, um, you know, it's important for us to, to have budgets that, that that are nimble enough to recognize the market, but also the performance. Um, in this budget, I did present a recommendation to put back um, funding in the budget to allow the town administrator to recognize excellence and address um, a market that really is seeking to recruit and attract our um, excellent employees. So. Um, you know, it, it's going to be important for us to work together to, to really, you know, think about ways that we can continue to ensure that Swampscott is a, a place that is attractive to dedicated um, public servants. With that, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, we're aggressively looking to fill these positions. I, I, I'm filling positions every day. I'm, you know, sending out conditional offer letters, hiring police officers, and dealing with um, the complexities of, of managing a, a busy municipality. And I have every confidence that we'll continue to, you know, address these issues as, as they come up. Questions for Sean? So, Sean, the, does the 23 budget, the 23 budget reflects the ability to reward, recognize, retain staff? And can you, I, I, I didn't have a chance to review the budget. Yeah, it, we did include $30,000 in a performance um, management line that, that would allow us to, you know, recognize um, non-union employees or staff that, that really go over and above um, to meet some of the um, 
needs of the town. I, I do think that, that that tool can be very effective in terms of um, you know, helping uh, a town just recognize you know, some of our um, you know, key contributions. I would love to have that available for all staff, but I have to bargain uh, some of that. And to me, it just makes um, a huge difference in terms of And then are there other, you know, non you know, in, in some of, you know, some of the things that, you know, some of the things that you can do to manage work-life balance? I mean, what are some of yep. your ideas to help? So, you know, I, I, I know that, um, you know, our director of community development, you know, when she worked in another municipality, um, you know, they um, had a, a four-day work week and they, you know, all worked late one night. Uh, a number of municipalities have looked at, you know, um, you know, closing on Fridays, but staying open later on a weekday. And I think, you know, that does uh, go a long way to recognize the, the night meetings that many of our department heads uh, and more and more are compelled to, to be at. And I, I'd like to um, try a, a three-month uh, schedule that would, uh, you know, see how that uh, meets the needs of the public. It's important for us to acknowledge that, you know, we want to be available to the public, and I would imagine many of the salaried um, department heads would be available on Friday, but I think given the the complexities of, of and the demands of public service, um, it, it's important for us to just think about ways that we can uh, balance the work life. Um, we have a lot of, of of younger families or younger employees with younger families and certainly the time away from from their families uh, is a, a, a significant drain like these night meetings can be a, a real real burden and, and trying to figure out how to you know find ways constructively to to add more time to uh, somebody's work-life balance is is I think a, a really mindful important um, investment in our people you know, we've, we've looked at and we've talked about, you know, frankly, you know, having a daycare program or incentivizing some daycare for our staff. You know, we, we actually, you know, we have a recreation department, we have a library, we have a school district, and, and to me it would be a wonderful way for us to, to really think critically about the cost associated with daycare. It, it's incredibly burdensome and, you know, Frankly, I, I would love to, to think about ways that we could do something more. And not just to, frankly, support the town. I, I think this is something that would, or town staff, this would be something that our, our town citizens might find to be valuable too. And if we had a program, you know, through recreation, maybe we could generate revenue. Maybe we could have a discount or do something that would really, you know, uh, support that. Um, that reminds me, um did Challenge. you put the town planner? There's a senior planner vacancy too, right? There is. Yes. Is that has that been posted? Um, yes, that, that was has posted been. in January and reposted um, last week because the ads only stay up for 30 days and we didn't get sufficient candidates. Okay. And a customer service vacancy also is that still? Yes. Okay. That one was just posted on Monday. Okay. Other questions for Sean? So, Sean, I'm, 
you just talked about a, a couple of ideas. I, I guess it would be helpful to have you come back at a point certain, kind of with kind of your your list of proposals of things that you would like to see different, um, so that we can kind of have a comprehensive. I appreciate you uh, having the conversation tonight, but come back with you know a, a list of ideas, and and ask you to um, affirmatively talk to your department heads and your staff to solicit their ideas and come back and, and share with us their ideas and, and, and so that we can um, have a, a, an open discussion and, sure. and, and make decisions and, and find resources and, and uh, make choices that can do it. Um, I think that that would be really healthy. So I, I guess my hope would be that we could find a time to chairwoman and to you that sometime in the next 30 days we're you know, it's an agenda item, whether it's the next meeting or the meeting after, that we can hear. I want to give time, Sean, for you to talk with staff and to yep. solicit ideas, um, because I think we'll be surprised at some ideas. That's where a lot of creativity comes from. Um, and people have other, had other experiences and other life experiences that I think are professional life experiences that will help. Um, I, I will say that I want to, in the context of all this, um, I want to uh, reiterate what you said, which was, um, there have been some really, really good hires. And we are losing some really, really good hires. And, but the reality is, I would rather lose them than never have them. And I think we all feel that same way. Um, so I don't want you to feel here, I, and I don't believe the, 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 the discussion here is intended to pressure you to lower your standards. Um, you have done really well with bringing some incredibly talented people um, um, to, to, to this town. Um, and you have been an agent of change. In my non-select board life, I sit on the Mass Select Board Association Executive Committee, which is also on the Executive Committee of the Mass Municipal Association. And over the last couple of weeks, I've called a number of, of people that I've gotten to know on select boards. Um, and that's the I'm sure there's a lot of benefits to it. The one most interesting thing for me is I get to hear about other communities because I don't otherwise do. Um, and um, the feedback has been um, that vacancies are higher, but that's actually not their primary concern. So they all say vacancies are higher. Their primary concerns is the lack of applicants they're getting for the vacancies. And, and that seems to be real. So of the six that I talked to specifically about it, four had higher than usual vacancies. All of them, though, were, were getting, in some postings, a response or two responses. Um, and so that seems to be a, a significant problem. And that reiterates the need for you to come back with some ideas. And, and you know, we'll come up with ideas too and, and, mm -hmm. and share them and, and to see if they're constructive here. I worry a little bit that we're in budget season and we have a budget and we're, you know, we're solidifying a budget here because my gut is compensation has to be on the table. Yeah. That's just my gut. My gut is, um, and I know that in the social media world and in the newspaper, there's people all the time saying, well, high paid town employees. I, I will tell you, there isn't anybody here in our town that's overpaid. And I think there are people that are remarkably talented that are underpaid. Um, and and um, I will continue to welcome that criticism um, from people because they're just wrong. 
uh, on that criticism here. And um, we need to. It costs more to lose people and to retrain people and recycle people than it does to just invest in people. In the real estate world, which I'm in, we always talk about rent. But the truth is all the tenants that we rent to, the businesses that we rent to, they don't care about rent. Rent is really expensive. What they care about is retaining personnel. And rent relates to retaining personnel, so they want to rent a place that their personnel wants to be in. They, in, they create programs, incentives, so their pro personnel stays because that's their biggest cost. It is our biggest cost for us. And so really urge and a couple of staff are here tonight and you, just be creative. Like, come to the table with ideas. We can be different than other communities. The fact that other communities haven't done something, I personally don't care about. If it's a good idea, let's debate it, and then let's see if we can find the resources, and we'll talk to the Finance Committee, we'll talk to other things. I think your idea about thinking about daycare is interesting. I know the school department, for example, uh, has voted um, in to allow teachers that live in other communities to have their children attend Swampscott schools. Um, so that mattered, right? Why? Because of pickup and drop-off and knowing where your kids were and what they were doing. So that was an incentive that, um, that teachers have um, to, to be able to do things like that. And so I think that it's uh, those types of ideas, I think, are really good um, ideas, and, and we should be open to them. I know that, for example, um, educational incentives are greater in some other communities, right? And so let's relook at that and say, are we doing enough there? Um, I believe it, in the totality, it's short dollars in a $78 million budget, and it will pay itself back. We will find the ROI on it if we find the right programs. So. I just ask you to really be creative, but really collaborate with your department heads and staff and bring back all the ideas, all the ideas. And so yep. that we can yep. just banter about it and um, figure it out. Because it's a, it's a problem that a lot of people are having, but we're all willing to, to work on it and roll up our sleeves and um, support you and, and your staff in any way we can. Appreciate that, Peter. I, you know, I, I am kind of, you know, eager to kind of think about, you know, what, what is the mindful way for us to think anew about a 21st century workplace? Like, it, it, it is challenging, and it is demanding, and, you know, I want to make sure that, that you know, we, we continue to, you know, offer a, a, a really exciting place, but also a meaningful place for staff. Other comments? Don? No? No, I don't need to help at all. I mean, I, I, I You don't have to say anything. I just didn't know because oh, I was asking you something. Uh, I, I appreciate I the chair question. forwarding this. I think we all recognize that, you know, that it's an issue. I know you do. Um, and I think the point of, you know, at this point, it's kind of all hands on deck and, and let's get creative as possible. Um, be able to, to recruit and, as, as Peter said, retain. Right. So, yeah, so we're all we're all rowing the same direction in this one. I, I think having a regular report, though, about vacancies, I, I really think that that needs to be part of your TA report to us uh, going forward here, so that we see it and so that we see Progress. the improvement and also the challenges, right? Because that tells us, um, and I think us understanding the number of applicants you're getting as well is helpful. It doesn't necessarily speak to quality, but oftentimes it does um, speak to depth sure. and the ability for you to get the right candidate. Um, you may find one applicant and find your find your next rock star of doing it, but but not often does that happen. I think right? we're going to be. I think we're going to more and more be put in a position where we're going to have to recruit some of our our um, 
future employees from positions that may not be as um, mindful about recognizing their their abilities but you know certainly you know we've been fortunate that we've been able to find a few All right, thanks for the update, Sean. Um, so I just am listening to everybody tonight, and I hear, Sean, that you have expressed that you want to talk about ways we can attract and retain employees um, and make, I, I wrote it down somewhere, but make our <clears throat> workplace more conducive to staying. Um, and then I hear Peter asking you to go talk to department heads and come up with a list of ideas of things that they want to see or they need, that you want to see, that you need. Um, and, you know, we have Amy as the interim town clerk and, you know, I mean, everyone's doing, everyone has 10 different roles going on right now and I don't know when these talking about and the list of ideas and talking with departments has, I know you can do that. I don't doubt that you can do that at all. I just don't know where, when that's happening and I'm concerned that it's gonna stretch you even thinner. Um, and, you know, we can talk about it, but we, we meet every couple of weeks and I'm concerned that that's not gonna be enough conversation to get these timelines that Peter's suggesting, you know, regular updates and and 30 days expiring with um, an interim town clerk. So it's not, it's literally just a plain fact that I'm concerned that there's just not enough time to do that. And then in terms of Peter's suggestion that he has no doubt that it's compensation, that is probably true, I can guess that. And, but, but it isn't something we definitively know. And I'm confused why just getting more information is a bad thing. Um, so I don't have the time. We're volunteers, we're board, the board. We should not be asking these questions going around to department heads. I don't know that you have the time. I know you can do this. I have 100% a, a faith in your abilities to run this town in every direction. If we could clone you, that would be good. Honestly, I'm not being sarcastic about that. But. We can't, and there's, this conversation has generated action items that take days. I mean, I, mean, I don't if know. I have a staff meeting and I just say, hey, I, I want ideas. Um, but I've, then we need to turn those into action items or else they're just conversations. No, I, I really do think I would have department heads and staff that would really welcome an idea, an opportunity to share a few ideas about how we could make, um, the work-life balance better at Town Hall. I, I think I do, we'll, well get some. My something. point is this. I do believe it's the work-life balance. I do believe it's compensation. I don't know that. We don't, you might know that. I don't know that. I don't know if you guys know that. Maybe you're not curious if those things are actually true or aren't actually true. But I, and you don't have to be. I am, and I just think we don't have the time. It's not that we couldn't do it. So my suggestion is just to have a consultant come in. There's a lot of municipal consultants that can do this. And just have those meetings for us. It takes something off your plate. Have the compensation analysis done. It takes something off whoever would do that analysis's plate. We don't, 
who was doing that? That's that's my concern. It's not, and we and we get answers. Like it, it's this isn't about finding things that are wrong. It's identifying things for us when we're in it, and we don't have the time to step out of it to do that work and come up with analysis. And a, and a report would have action items that were financially had financial considerations tied to them that we we know we could afford or timelines where we could do it you know the, all of these different factors it would put something in one place that would say huh which ones of these do we think are compelling which ones aren't which ones can the town afford which ones could we do on our own and it's done for us i'm not out for anything it's just this needs i think i think we you are all saying it needs to be done. That's what you want to do. So I'm just reflecting that we don't have the time to do it. So that is my recommendation. I, I would put it, I cannot make a motion for an independent consultant to come in and look at the organizational, structural, managerial, salary structures of town hall and make recommendations based on that. Um, I think it would take a lot of work off our plate. I think it's an objective analysis and I think it would be extremely helpful. Helpful. Um, that's all I'm going for. I, I would like more information from someone who's paid to have the time to do it. I don't want, I want you to do the budget and, and the warrant articles and the interviews to fill these numerous, very important positions. I don't know when these conversations would happen with all of that going on. And that, that's my concern. I cannot make a motion. But I would, that's what I would request of my board members. And I'd like whatever happens, that's my recommendation if it can be reflected in the minutes. And we don't have to, you guys, it's up to you guys what you'd like to do from there. So it's Sean's job. I mean, it, meaning, I agree, we're volunteers. We don't have the time, but it's also not something that we should be doing. We can, we can roll up our sleeves and help, and we can then advocate for budget changes and things of that nature to, to meet it but it's our town administrator's job. So, Sean, if you, in my view, if as you sit down and you see there's a compensation thing, I think there's merit to what Polly says. If you, if you get to a point where you think the compensation's material, for us to bring in someone that can help us do a true market survey, not, not just, oh, I, I, this is what I need for this person, a true market survey, I think there's some real valid validity to that, right? When, but, I, you know, so I, I want you to be open to what Polly said, that doing it's um, getting information is a bad thing. I don't think anybody said information is a bad thing. I don't think you have as well. Um, but I guess I would have you come back and and say if you felt as though you needed to. Frankly, you you don't need our permission to go out and hire someone to do a comp study. You have budget items and you know how to spend money. I think the expectation that Polly setting is fair. Like we want good information. Like it can't be. Well, this is what I think it needs to be, and, and I appreciate you putting back in the, the, the $30,000, but that, that's not really an answer. That is a tool, but it's not an answer. An answer is one that accurately reflects the market that says we are where we, where we need to be in the market, and maybe we're above where we need to be in the market because we care and we want to retain. And so you're probably going to need that market knowledge, and I agree with Polly that you spending time dialing for comps is not the way to do it. There are easier ways to do it. There are services, the MMA is willing to help, there's so many other ways to do it. Um, and, and, but I do think a lot of the stuff that we've talked about tonight is frankly your work. I, I don't believe that other people can sit with your staff and figure out the work-life balance 
and do it. I, I believe you have to do it. I believe you're the leader and you're the one that actually has to do it. Now, be open to third parties giving you ideas, right? And, and consultants, again, if you be open to that because that's where some great ideas can be. But I do believe you're the one that has to build that grouping as the leader. I don't think it's a playbook that someone can give you and say, well, you know, this is what we think it should be. And certainly not one that I would want to, I don't believe it's our role to say this is the playbook um, to you. But it would be I, I, their playbook. I, I, want, I want it to be Sean's playbook because he's the town administrator. That's, all. That's the only point I'm making here is that I believe he has to build that um, and, and work with staff and, and get the buy-in and, and feel confident with it. So, so are we putting a timeline on that? And if we put a timeline on and it doesn't get done, then what is your suggestion? Well, I, I don't know what my suggestion is because I don't think it's, I don't think it's binary. Um, but I just like we did on other things, I have no problem. I think I said, little go. You know, let's come back in a month and, you know, with this. But I, I don't want to, don't want it to be next meeting because I want you to be able to sit down. I want you to be able to take the breath. I want you to be able to find the times because you do have a billion things going on, and Amy has a billion things going on, and 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 everybody has a billion things going on. So I want you to take the time. So why don't I ask you what what do you think is a reasonable time for you to come back and for us to have a more holistic, comprehensive view? Again, giving you time to solicit sure. outside. Services, because I do think the comp part of it is, is a real. There's a real validity to that. Yep. Um, Understood. I I think, points. frankly, six weeks would give me enough time. Spend a month, you know, working with staff, and you know, two weeks to kind of pull together some, you know, uh, ideas that I could present to the board and say, hey, here's here's, you know, either a, a comp, you know, um, you know, analysis. Here's a, a work life you know, series of, of options that can help us really, you know, address some of the, the challenges that we're facing as a workforce. I just think we need to ask the workforce the challenges they're facing. I Agreed. Okay. Yeah. And I have had a few of those conversations. So I, I, I haven't just, you know, come tonight without having a few conversations. No, no, I don't mean to imply that you haven't. I just, I, I'm not asking this of you. I, I, I think it's way over the top to ask you to go do all these things and have all these meetings and come back with action items in six weeks with all of the things going on. I, I just think it's, it really you're is the one saying that you're stretched too thin, like that well, you've got too much going we on. We are busy, but you know, it, it's the busy time of year. I think things do cycle. And I think, you know, it, it, my, my, my thought is once we get through the, the, you know, first few weeks of the budget meetings and, you know, um, we'll get to a point where hopefully the budget will start to take shape and, uh, we can then, you know, have a conversation about, you know, where we are. In six weeks, uh, a number of these positions hopefully are going to be filled um, or on their way to be filled. I think, you know, in six weeks we'll have a clear idea. That won't idea. answer the question you have about retention. No, it won't, but I think we can come up with a few more ideas about retention and think about, you know, what are, what are the better practices that may exist in other organizations that can help us uh, address what is an evolving concern in 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 the marketplace for retention it's not just an issue that that swamps gets facing well that's what the like again i don't this isn't like any i'm not suggesting this because i'm out for something like but it doesn't matter to me if it's not just a concern in swamp scott it's a concern in swamp scott so then i don't understand why we wouldn't do this like 
we need the information and we're all really busy. So, so you're saying or, that Sean's capable of getting the information doesn't have the time. I've said that very clearly, yeah. So then, I, but I think it's incumbent upon us to say, okay, Sean, we, we've all collectively recognized there's an issue, right? I agree. I don't it's, it's, think that's been collectively recognized. You don't think that we've had a consensus that there's an issue in terms of hiring, recruiting, retaining at Town Hall? You don't think we've Is had that a consensus? consensus? I, Sean, do you doubt it that? Do you doubt no, that? No, I think we've all had I'm a long conversation about that. Consensus. I understand, and I'm asking the town administrator because I, it's most important is that he sees it more than anybody right. else. Meaning, do you see it, Sean? I do I mean, see I think it. Yes. You, you yes. do see it. I here. see it, and I feel it, and I certainly, you know, I get it. And I'd like to, what, I, what I, my expectation, and I, I, the reason I say my expectation is because I know you will do this, is if, you know, over the next six weeks, if we're three weeks in, and you're like, I can't do this. Right? I would expect to come back and say, I can't do this, I need additional help. Or as part of this, to say, here's what we found from our, our grassroots. Here's the resources I now need that are outside resources to help me identify these problems. Right, And between the two, we ought to be able to come up with a solution. Now, if at that point we're still in the same place and we haven't been able to fill these, then I think you know, we have to discuss another alternative, which I'm not, maybe it's a consultant, maybe not. But I think at this point, if we hire a consultant tomorrow, we're not going to get feedback. Within six weeks, no. So I'm not. I'm not suggesting abandoning it, but I'm just saying. Okay, but if if he can't get if he if Sean realizes he can't do it, and we give him six weeks, and then it's going to be six more weeks. That's what I don't. Not, we're not going to come up with anything. We're not going to sit here and say Sean's not going to say, "Sorry, guys, nothing." Okay, I, came up nothing. No. Right. So, so I guess then my question is, what are the concrete things the board is asking for, from Sean? And what is the timeline for each of those concrete things? Right. So, so first of all, from my perspective, this is Sean's job. And you were making recommendations, and I'm just wondering what they I, were. I'm sorry. I thought you were done. No, I'm clarifying what my question is. Oh, okay. This, is this falls squarely in Sean's responsibility. Um, if Sean decides that he needs additional resources to answer things or to get information, unless there's a reason he has to come back to us, he doesn't need to come back to us. He has the complete authority under the charter to go do and get the help that he needs. And my expectation is that he doesn't come back in six weeks and say, oh, I, I need help. It's that I needed help and I got help. I found help, right? And you went out and did it. Don't, I, I think coming back in six weeks and saying, I didn't know this answer. I, right. We made this up. We're not comfortable with that. I think it's a miss. Um, and I think Sean has set the expectation of six weeks and come back. And the expectation is to come back with um, responses on compensation, work life and organizational structures um, to be able to recruit and retain uh, employees. And I think that's thematically what we've all talked about. In the interim, you're hiring, right? Oh, by the way, while this is all going on, you gotta keep doing the hiring. And I hope that motivates you to get your HR director quirk, right? I mean, because to be honest with you, that's, that's a huge part of it, but you're hiring in the interim. But I, I think those are the things that we're saying, and Sean came up with six weeks, and I just wanted to clarify that the six weeks isn't coming back and saying, oh, I couldn't figure it out. The six week was I, I went out and got more resources. This is what I'm doing, and I need two more weeks because they're not coming back with their comp study for two more weeks or whatever it is. That's okay, but my expectation is that we're not coming back for a cold start. We're coming back saying this is what we've been able to do, and you've been able to do, Sean, and you have the resources. If you need us, and we are resources for you, you're always welcome to yeah, use us as resources, but, but it's your responsibility. This understood. Even, I, if we, even if we had time, even if we weren't all busy. It's look, I, I've got some ideas, and I, I, frankly, what I need from the board is your support for just helping me um, 
you know, uh, address these issues and, and give me a chance to, to deal with it. I, I don't need um, a whole lot of, of, you know, interference with some of these issues. I, I need to handle these things and I've got to deal with this um, directly. I don't want to have, um, you know, too many, um, you know, expectations right now because I've got to be dynamic and I have to really be flexible and it's going to take a lot of work to fill these positions and deal with the, you know, responsibility of onboarding uh, staff and... And, and I, I hear you. Yeah. So I just want to be clear because Polly's making some really good points and so I want to reiterate them so that you hear them from other people as well, right? Which is there's a difference between hiring and onboarding and what we're asking for, right? It's not or, it's both. Understood. You could hire everybody by their next meeting, and it doesn't negate the need to do everything that we talked about. Right? That, that work has to happen regardless of your success in hiring here, because if we think there is, there is a change that's going on in the market, there are challenges here. You demand a lot, and because we demand a lot, and you demand a lot on your own, right? And so, and committees demand a lot. There's a lot of demands, and so we need that analysis to happen, even if you were to successfully hire the most wonderful people for every one of these positions. I just want to be clear about that. And the other thing is I just want to make sure that you are open to the idea that you don't have all the information you need, that you probably are going to need to go out and and solicit some help for some of this stuff. Um, and I would be surprised if you came back and said you didn't because that I think Polly's spot on about, but I believe that's something you as the town administrator are responsible for, for determining and figuring out. And this will be an agenda item in six weeks on April 13th. Yeah, well, it's assuming- At, at, at the will of the chair. So an organizational structure analysis, is that what you had suggested? A hiring status, comp studies, and work-life balance. Sure. Sounds good. I would just like to point out that it would probably be April 20th and not the 13th unless you plan on having meetings back-to-back. -back. Yeah, we have school vacation weeks. Oh, so yeah, that's right. Things off. Isn't the 20th the vacation week? No? Yeah. I think, okay. I think 20 is the vacation week, so that's why it's the 13th. Just check. Yeah. But we can always, whatever. It's budget season, too, so we may have. Yeah, we may have more vacations, anyways. Um, but that general time frame, you and the chair can, whenever the chair would like to have it, it's fine with me. Okay. Other comments, questions, thoughts, Sean, or anybody else? Awesome. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Polly, just so you know, we skipped the town administrator's report um, All right. to start the evening since FinCom was here, so we haven't done that yet. All right, Sean, go right ahead. I assume there's no public comment. I'm not going to, there's no one actively waiting, right? We already did public comment yeah. earlier tonight. <clears throat> okay, so uh, we did have a conversation this week, uh, you know, during our COVID call about um, dropping the mask mandate. Uh, for town hall and town buildings, I expect that uh, you know we will have a recommendation next week. Um, you know, I do want to thank um, staff uh, and department heads for the work on the FY23 budget. Certainly, that's going to kick off a, a um, several months worth of, of discussions. Uh, putting this budget together has been a challenge. Certainly, um, harder this year than in any years past as we've cut these budgets. Uh, it gets harder and harder to find um, ways to sustain services and, and really meet the um, financial guidelines established. Um, we have kicked off our 
HR assessment with uh, CLA. Uh, we're looking at the organizational structure of uh, town uh, hall. Uh, we're looking at different organizational um, charts and, you know, our focus on diversity and inclus inclusivity. Um, this looks at performance management, training, rewards, um, and human resources and policies. Uh, I expect that um, this work will complete um, over the next um, two months, and I do expect a number of positive recommendations will emanate from this report. I continue to work with the Retirement Board to extend the schedule. Um, as we discussed during the budget, this was a, a significant impact uh, financially. If we can extend the schedule, that may open up uh, some available funds in the FY23 budget. Certainly, we have a number of priorities, whether it's pedestrian safety or um, improvements for um, capital um, uh, projects, but I'm, I'm optimistic. Um, again, I just want to recognize, uh, I, I think, some extraordinary work by our town treasurer and finance team to get out and go to market for um, the bond. Um, it's a lot that goes into coordinating that work, and he's really, uh, Patrick Letty really has impressed me with his um, diligence. Uh, I did uh, issue a number of conditional offers for police officers and firefighters last week. Um, Chief Kurz has presented uh, a few updates on radio replacement training. Our officers um, really uh, got a great training on emotional intelligence um, and you know, continue to look at uh, a mental health task force. Um, I have a meeting scheduled next Tuesday with Senator Crichton and individuals that participated in the um, meeting we held at Swampscott Town Hall a um, little over six weeks ago. Uh, this meeting really looks at the best way to utilize um, the $5 million that both Lynn and Swampscott uh, received from the OPER, uh, American Rescue Plan Act. Um, and uh, that's my report. All right, thanks. Um, Moving on to the consent agenda, it's designed to expedite the handling of routine and miscellaneous business of the board. We may adopt the entire consent agenda with one motion. If anyone wants to remove an item and discuss it separately, you can, which we already did. But the consent agenda is a vote to approve the members to the rec appoint members, a member, right? Yeah, I just put it on here because it has the specifics. Okay. I want to read that. Somebody want um, to just move I would move to approve the consent agenda as outlined on the screen second. Is a second second all in favor any further discussion I just want to say about the peddling just honestly it's a terrible word door-to-door -door solicitation we've been doing it um, I don't think we can stop arbitrarily at this point, but I think at some point when we're not in the middle of approving these things, which I don't know when that would be, but I'd be interested in having a conversation about it. I personally can't stand it, but um, I don't know that we should prohibit it. Um, but I think it's worth just, you know, having as an item to discuss um, when it's not a particular vote on a particular solicitation request um, to have a longer, maybe, 
conversation about it. But other than that, that's my only comment. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Um, Sean, can I just ask you, before we um, move on to select board time, who's running our next select board meeting? Uh, we will uh, get some assistance from uh, a number of staff at Town Hall. I've talked to a few. I'm not exactly sure uh, who, um, but you know, I, I do know that we will have a, a couple of key staff available. To do the agenda and the Zoom meetings and the That's hybrid right. and and who who should I be reaching out to to Me. coordinate the agenda? Okay. Okay. Select board time. I have nothing. I just want to say that um, on Monday night. Forgive me. I think it was Monday night, the 28th, right? Yeah. Um, there was Shore um, put on um, an amazing event celebrating black history as our American history. Um, and um, I am so bad with names, and I feel so disrespectful not remembering his last name. There was a poet and um, a resident, Enzo. I forget his last name. If anybody else remembers, please chime in. Um, and uh, lots of people shared. Um, there was a student of the high school who shared his poetry, and it was just. Um, this, I like. I mean, I always enjoy those type of events, but it was really special, and um, it was really wonderful. So I just want to thank. Um, it's recorded. I believe it's available for viewing. I would really highly encourage people skip over the part where I shared. Um, there's some really good uh, sharing that happened in that group. And um, I really want to thank Shore and everyone who was present and participated and um, made it happen and hope that we can. Um, I know they have some other dates of similar events um, coming up in the spring and um, hope that others will attend and um, we can grow the attendance and, um, and just participate and enjoy what they have to offer. So. That's, that's the only thing I wanted to share. Um, motion to adjourn? So move. Second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Thanks, everyone. Good night. Thank you, Thank Joe, you. and everyone in the back there. Thank you, Amy. And Amy and Allie. Thank you, And Allie. we'll miss you dearly. But we'll see you tomorrow night. Farewell. <laughs>